welcome to the 328th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm still currently talking about X-Men The Hidden Years. So it's a John Byrne series from like 2000, 2001. It takes place between the original X-Men run and before Giant Size X-Men where we had like Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, all of them. When uh, it appeared when Marvel was for some reason, I'm really curious why, when they were just reprinting the original comics. So I think it was like around issue 50 something. Uh, so re- really cool, like old school adventures. I wish it would have continued, you know, to what, what John Byrne had originally envisioned. Um, I sometimes talk about other stuff, movies, random comic topics, some stuff. I'm open to suggestions. If there's anything you want me to ramble on for, I will do that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, which I guess I understand, I try to understand, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. It's it's been another crazy week. I'm I'm, st- I'm still still trying to catch up with everything. What is going on this week? Uh, inter- interestingly enough, strangely enough, there wasn't any um, doesn't any real major theatrical release this week, at least uh, from our knowledge. So the movie feature is going to be Silent Night, which originally I thought was going to be last week. So I, I, I mentioned that how my theater just never got it, which it just blows me away because I saw the trailer there. And on the website, it said tickets on sale soon, and it just never happened for whatever reason. And the next closest theater, they didn't even get it, so I had to go to a next theater, which is not too far, you know. Th- thankfully, I'm in a location, you know, north of San Francisco. There are, you know, plenty of movie theaters, and uh, so yeah, I, I saw it at somewhere else, which I'll talk about that experience. That that was a that was that was interesting. The the, the boy and the heron came out. Um, I, I really do want to see that. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving people credit. I don't know if that's something that people would want to hear about. And be perfectly honest, I haven't heard a lot about it. So it's like, where's all the, the promotion for that? So it's going to be Silent Night. Um, John Woo, Joel Kinnaman, action movie, revenge movie. So you can hear how that was. And then um, we got the second Doctor Who special. So we're like a week behind since those come out on Saturdays. And then we have, I'm, I'm still, I'm still really behind, not really behind, but I'm a couple episodes behind on Monarch Legacy of Monsters. I'm, I'm really enjoying that show for the most part. Uh, you know, there's a couple little minor things, but, but I'm, I'm digging what they're doing and how to, it's, it's way better than I thought when I was like, this is a movie about some company, you know, some government agency hunting, you know, the, the Titans, the Godzilla type monsters. Uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying how it's working with the two different timelines also. So we're, we're due to third episode, and I'm hoping in the next coming weeks, you know, maybe I'll be able to, to, to get further caught up. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, we'll, we'll see. I, I, maybe I should just call, just do one episode. Maybe two. I think, I think it's probably going to be one, um, just, just to do that. And that's probably going to be it. 
I'm two weeks behind on Rick and Morty. As I record this, I, I started the, what was it, the seventh episode. So seventh and eighth. Actually, by the time you listen to this, the ninth episode, I think there's ten episodes this season. So I, I think I think I'm just gonna have to call it and and you know that that's something I would love feedback if, if you're listening like if there's if there's a show that I'm not covering that you'd like to hear about or if there's something you know maybe you're just like eh I I just I don't know how that is working if it if it makes sense to, to try to do a recap for an animated sitcom if you want to call it and you know animated adventure because I I really feel like a lot of the the glory of that show relies on the jokes, the animation, and the voice actors. And for me doing a recap, I feel like you're losing so much. So I'm not doing it justice. So I, I could be wrong with that. Yeah, and then I think I think that that'll be it for this week. I, I feel like there's there's something else. Oh, I think Reacher came out right. Didn't like three episodes just drop. So whew, we'll see about that. Um, that's that's like a Friday show, and usually I, I do like my cutoff on the Friday shows. So that might, may, maybe next week we'll do that. I, I don't think I'll be able to do three episodes for next week, but maybe I can do at least one or two. We'll see. Because, uh, you know, the Doctor Who specials aren't going to be forever. And you know, Scott Pilgrim is not going to be forever. So, I, you know, I'm going to have to pick something else up. We'll see. Well, let's uh, get into the news. Um, Ryan Reynolds is, uh, so I, I totally get what he's saying. He, he put out a statement about the spoilers. You know, we're we're getting a lot of different spoilers, a lot of different like updates about the Dead Deadpool three, like so and so confirmed, and I just saw saw a news headline. I didn't click on it. It's like two villains confirmed or seen on set or something like that, and I was like, if it's not an official announcement, because I don't even know if Disney is even doing official announcements. So basically, he he was he was commenting about like with the telephoto lenses, you know, people are are t- taking pictures and stuff like that. And he kind of he he's like that. That's great that you know everyone's so excited. He's like I'm excited, but when people are taking photos with telescopic lenses, even if the lenses are good, it's not going to be like that, that great of quality. Then it's it's it, it's not going to be like finished. You know, it's going to be it's it's not going to look as good. It's it's going to look a little like cheap or just kind of silly. Because it's not all polished with you know the, the final with editing and filters and special effects or whatever, so he was kind of asking people not not to, to to post spoilers or whatever, and and I, I really hope that's the case because I don't want to get spoiled by something that that's you know I I would like it the, the whole Brad Pitt thing if if I would have seen that before that that would have been a bummer, and he also posted some like fake spoilers. He's like you know make your own, and there's a. A picture of him and Hugh Jackman in, in costume and a predator there. And then, you know, he posts this other one like Deadpool with a bag of money and, you know, Mickey Mouse next to him, you know, like a Disneyland Mickey Mouse. So I, I guess that's the thing. And, and that if, if we're clicking on links or supporting or watching videos or doing whatever of people posting spoilers, then they're going to keep posting them. And, but if we stop, then maybe they'll stop because then there's, there's no point. But I'm, there are people just love spoilers, so I'm sure people are, are gonna, you know, keep keep doing that. Sean Gunn, uh, James Gunn, James Gunn, his brother, he's gonna be playing uh, Maxwell Lord in in the whatever new DCU that that's that's gonna be happening. So previously he was played by Pedro Pascal in Wonder Woman '84. <laughs> Wait, what? That did that was that a movie? That never happened, right? 
and so he's he's gonna be Maxwell Lord. He's gonna be referenced in um in like the background of Superman Legacy. So it's not clear if he's gonna have a cameo or anything like that, or just gonna mention his name somewhere. Because I I feel like there's already a lot of characters that are supposed to be, and I, I get you know they're they're trying to start things off, but but yeah, let's let's not overdo it. You know we don't have to put everyone in there. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> oh, going back to Deadpool, I guess Rob. Le I didn't. I didn't see where he posted this, but I saw someone report that Rob Liefeld mentioned that Brad Pitt originally was going to be playing Cable in Deadpool too, and then you know it was like early on, and then I. I didn't. I don't know why it didn't happen. I. I don't think I love Brad Pitt. I don't think. I don't know if it would have been good. I. I could be wrong. He. Uh, I mean, Josh Brolin did did a great job. So I don't know. Um, Furio, Fur Furiosa. The trailer that wasn't last week, I don't think. I think it was this past week, because uh, I, I just I didn't see it when it first came out. It was kind of one of those. I mean, I'm really looking forward to that, but it was kind of like I I kind of don't want to see it until it comes. Out. I I'd rather see the trailer in the theater, you know, on, on a big screen, and you know, I'm really looking forward to the movie. But then I ended up seeing the trailer. I was like, that that looks interesting, and uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I mean, I'm hoping everything. Is is cool, so, so we'll see. Star Wars, Andor season two, so that uh, looks like this. Not a surprise. It's been delayed till twenty twenty five because they're like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen twenty twenty four. I forget how long, how, how far they were because I I think they started working on it already, but I think with the strike and everything like that, that pushed pushed it back. So that's unfortunate, and that's where I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like, is, are we going to start like? not having so much new content because of, of, of the strikes and everything. Uh, Disney is also, what are they putting out? They're putting out uh, Luca, Wish, and Soul. No, not Wish. Wish is out. Uh, something else. And they're re-releasing. Re re those are like straight to Disney+, Plus, but they're going to release them in theaters. And some people are like, wait, why? You know, because they, they've already been out. But I think I think there's different reasons. One... You know, putting those straight to Disney Plus, and a lot of people think that that was a horrible idea, it was a mistake. But no, I'm sure it did get people to subscribe to Disney Plus, which is what they wanted. You know, it, that's a business model in in itself. And by doing that, you know, they don't have to pay distribution. You know, it's, apparently it's expensive to, to distribute the movies, and you know, paying I don't know what it cost because it's not like the old days where you had to ship the the film canisters. Now it's just like a digital file thing that gets uploaded or ingested or something like that. But then you got to do the posters and then uh, I, I don't even know, you know, then there's a promoting, I, I don't know, but I'm looking at it as one, the movies are, are done. So yeah, you'll have your prom uh, promotion or whatever fees, but even if, if they're not considered box office successes, it still will bring in some money and, and some money is better than no money. And I think also theaters might be like cool with it because I don't know if there's a lot of like kid movies coming out, and I mean I have no idea. I'm I'm not as attuned to the kid movie uh, market as I used to be since my my I don't have a tiny kid anymore. Uh, I only have a big kid, so I think some parents might be like like yeah, let's take the family to go see that. And there's a question is like you know it, there's it's more expensive. But I, you know, some people enjoy. Let's get out of the house and go see a movie. You know, they want to do that. And I, I think there might be some people also that really enjoyed the movies that do want to see it on the big screen. I don't. I don't think it, it's necessarily a bad thing. It could be like a, as long as it's not like overly costly for them. It could be a way to like why not you know try to make some more money off of it. 
And if you don't want to see it, don't go see it. You know, so I think it's just that 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 simple. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's gonna be a Blade video game, which is surprising. I I haven't I didn't read any details about this. I forgot the, the who's who's making it, but I I would think they'd want to wait till like the movie came out. And I I think there was like an update in the movie that you know a, a promising update. But um, it's interesting that they're talking. I don't know how far along the game is. And, you know, like I said, I didn't get any further information. So maybe they'll try it. Or maybe it was supposed to come out. You know, the movie is going to be delayed. So maybe they planned on it. They're like, well, we might as well talk about this. But, well, I don't know. Yeah, so that could be interesting. Hopefully it would be good. But, you know, I don't play video games anymore, which is, is sad. I, I think there's a, a teaser for The Boys Season 4. And, and that's, I don't know what it is with me and The Boys. It's like, I enjoy the show when I watch it, but it's like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like resistant to it, but I'm just like, the boys. And I, th- I think what it comes down to is when, when the comics just got like, so like over the top and extreme that it, it's, it's just, and then the art was just inconsistent. You know, we, there's like different artists and everything. And, you know, it wasn't Derek Robertson anymore because, you know, he was busy and, you know, so I kind of lost, I kind of fell off on, on the comic series, but the, the TV show has been good. I'm, I'm still... I haven't been caught up on, on Gen V. I need to. I think I need to watch that before the next season. So I'll have to try to do that uh, soon. Um, but yeah, so I didn't even watch the, the the teaser. I have no idea. And part of it, I don't want to watch teaser because if there is a connection, I've been trying to avoid like what happens on this season of Gen V, the first season. So you let me know if if you saw it. Emily Blunt talked about Edge of Tomorrow too. I think it came up, and she's seems like she's still eager and interested in doing it but she's like it's basically like you know tom cruise's schedule that's like you know holding up to production because you know he's he's busy he's doing like so many other things and and she's i think she's like a little hesitant she's like you know it's been 10 years you know it's like it's one thing if, if we would have done it like in a, a couple years after the first so you know there's there's the age thing that they'd have to consider you know what are they going to do with that so we'll we'll see and then uh <laughs> rebel moon I, I really don't know if I'm going to watch this. I, I, I'm so, I, I'm kind of resistant to what, I kind of don't want to watch it just because, you know, it's, I'm just so like tired of, of everything. Um, but it's going to, going to be released a little, tiny bit earlier. It was supposed to be released on December 22nd, but now it's going to be released on December 21st at 7 PM Pacific. So I think for me, it'd be like five hours earlier. I was like, okay. Uh, it's not going to make me necessarily watch. I might watch. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll wait. I'll see like what the reviews are. And I think there's other stuff. If there's nothing else coming out in the theaters, maybe I'll see that. I don't know. Um, and then the last bit of news. Um, interesting. is comic news, actually. Uh, Mark Miller's Miller World books are moving from Image to Dark Horse. So... Not really sure why that is. Maybe it's just like a distribution thing, or you know, maybe uh, Dark Horse gave him a sweet deal, like woo- wooed him over, and um, so it it shouldn't really change anything. You know, it's going to be the same quality of books because you know Mark Miller, he's he's always about getting you know the hottest artists and everything like that, and you know he's doing the writing, and uh, you should still be able to get them at your comic shops or get them digitally. So um, I I think they'll also be like putting out like past stuff like trade paper i don't know so it probably won't make that much of a difference but hopefully it's good for everyone involved so um i enjoy his books 
So there's that. And I, I think that's it for the news. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to comics. It's, uh, it's kind of a weird week. It seems like, because it's the first week of the month, and usually like the last week, you know, the fifth week, so we sometimes don't get, get a lot of books. And I have a feeling with the holidays, well, maybe not, because like some, you, you would think that they're going to not, they're going to try to put all the books out earlier in the month rather than the end of the month, because... I would think maybe people are going to be too busy to go to comic stores, but then some people, well, actually, <laughs> are there even, com- I don't even know where the nearest comic, well, I do know where the nearest comic store. My local comic store is gone, sadly. So, Image Comics, let's just go, I, I read digital anyway, so it, it doesn't matter. I would love to go into comics. I love browsing through the back issue bins, but I don't really have that. I mean, I could, anyways. Image Comics. Uh, there was a Creepshow holiday special. I, I chose this to pass on that. Uh, I yeah I I'm I've been on the fence with the comic. I think Michael Walsh is doing and he 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 posted something on his Instagram before, so I'm waiting for that. I mean I will definitely read anything Michael Walsh writes or draws, but just um, the, the Creepshow comic has just been okay you know i was never like a huge fan of the show and you know so we, you know we're gonna get these these bite-sized horror stories which don't always work in comic format i think you know it just it really depends on i, I think it, it it falls on the color where you know, to capture that vibe so i i could have missed something here you t- it's a holiday special and i i'm not a big fan of holiday specials either so there's one at dc which we'll we'll talk about that uh later um, there's Midlife or How to Hero at 50. So I, I am digging that this comic, this is one written by Brian Bucciolato. And you basically have this 50 year old dude. You know, he, he's like in a second marriage. He's got a new kid. He has an older kid and he's like a firefighter. His father is a firefighter, but you know, he's, his, his father, I think died in a fire. And so he's kind of been working behind a desk, you know, he's whatever, but then he kind of finds out he's got powers. He, he gets these like these fire power fires you know, can kind of control the flames and you know, has he always had that? Did something happened? Did he get exposed to something? What's going on? He kind of sort of becomes a not necessarily a hero right away, but you know he can like actually go out. You know he's a firefighter, so he knows if there's a fire coming up. And he has a friend who was working you know, at a, in, in a studio at a movie, kind of makes him a costume. My question was is, like to make it fireproof because if you're making a costume for a movie it's, it's not or bulletproof actually there is a question is it bulletproof that does come up because then there's some people after him which is going to open up like a whole new can of worms so get some some interesting things coming up and then uh see i don't i don't think i'm reading knights knights number three came out uh sacrificers number five this is a. Uh, I, I I find this kind of a disturbing comic in a way. So, you know, this is Rick Remender. And the interesting thing about this comic is, you know, I should be mentioning Arisa, um, but I don't always have the books in, open in front of me. So Rick Remender, Max Fiumara is uh, working on, on the uh, the Sacrificers with uh, Dave, McCraig, Dave McCaig doing the colors. So with this, what we've seen, you know, we're in the fifth issue now, and we're, it's this weird... Or necessarily weird. It's like a fantasy world, you know. There's different species, different creatures, and every family has to give up a kid for a sacrifice or, or something like that. And so we, one of our main characters is like this 
humanoid pigeon creature which is just kind of weird no offense and then we're you know we were seeing like the king and queen like so uh i think it was a couple issues ago was it issue three where we saw like what the sacrifices are for because there's like this this big feast and they actually kind of harvest something from the, the the people who are sacrificed and uh then this issue things kind of take a turn so we, we see the person kind of in charge of the procedure who kind of like came up with the technology and he's sort of like in service to the king and he's not overly happy with that because you know he's not getting any credit or whatever not that he's really seeking that but you know he's got some issues himself to deal with and then the king's daughter comes and they're like there's this kind of huge confrontation because she's um not, not necessarily got a chip on her shoulder but you know she's doing her own thing and uh yeah it it takes a takes a bit of a turn there and I, i'm not sure where this is going to go from there because i was like not what i quite what i expected and then there's transformers number three so this is a it's it's an interesting uh you know we're at the third issue now and i i'm i am intrigued with this like where this is going to go so there were as I, I i've mentioned this with the first issue probably the second issue you know there's a lot of like familiar elements as in as to how the transformers arrive on you know their battle going on and then they arrive on earth they crash whatever and then you know trying to get settled or get established and then you got the decepticons you got the autobots and then, then the war kind of starts what's interesting here is the war is, is kind of brutal i mean we're, we're seeing humans like getting really uh <laughs> killed and <laughs> stuff you know it, it's it's not like in the cartoon where it's like oh here's this little fight going on oh there's humans that are going to kind of help out or join the you know whatever get you know side up with the the deceptic or the autobots and all that but <laughs> we're seeing we're seeing like like homes getting destroyed and and that's what i don't even know if you we, we maybe got a hint of it in the movies but you know you're looking at these big giant robots you know robots in disguise and as they start fighting each other there's going to be like major collateral damage and and so it's 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 kind of cool seeing that that it, you don't really think about it so much and and we're seeing now like more almost like a, a hands-on or, or you know whatever like how this would really be so it, it's definitely interesting to see people getting injured not that i'm you know rooting for that but it, it's it's makes it put kind of puts things in a different perspective so i i, I kind of find find that that interesting um so yeah that was all i read at uh at image at marvel there was alpha flight number five i i don't know since i haven't you know i don't read the solicits because i don't want to get spoiled or any hints but i think this might be the last issue and i don't know if this was a five issue miniseries i'm looking at the cover right now and i'm not seeing anything and maybe i should you know look up the the solicit which i don't really like doing it because i feel like it's just kind of a okay well it's, okay it's right here fight for your right it all goes south in canadian north can alpha flight at last stand united or world department h shut them down for good don't miss the con yeah it's a conclusion of this fall of x epic rife with sacrifice surprise appearances and death and death okay so it, the way it reads be, and also because at the end it's like find out where alphabet or alpha flight sands or unites again and i think it's like x-force i forget what issue x-force has said so things are 
this has been... Uh, and I, I feel bad for Alpha Flight. I do not know what the deal is with Alpha Flight. I feel like, you know, the, the original Alpha Flight series was well over 100 issues. And since then, it's like we Alpha Flight can't get a series to save its life. And and I don't know why readers just aren't, aren't into it. And, you know, even with the kind of loose X-Men connection, you know, they're not all mutants, but there are mutants, you know, like mutant X-Men adjacent kind of. But it's just weird that people just don't want to, you know, root for Alpha Flight. And I, I, I find some of the characters interesting. There's some characters I'm not too concerned with, you know, and some characters I just don't know. The main thing here that what, what bothered me is this whole anti-mutant thing. It is so extreme. And so now, like, the Canadian government, you know, we get this... And we're, we're really seeing this one lady in charge of the whole thing where she's just so prejudiced against against mutants. And I just don't know. It, it feels like it came out of nowhere. You know, there, there's always been this fear of mutants. But it's just... It's so blatant now and just so... It's just... It's just... It's so ugly. And, and you know, they're just saying, you know, humans have no rights. And it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, you're... Or mutants... Have, did I say humans? Mutants have no rights. So if you're a mutant, then you're automatically getting, you know, locked up, taken away. It, which, I, I don't know. It, it just seems weird if, if how you can say that a mutant has no rights. You know, they're not human. There's a, I guess maybe they're saying that it's like they're a different species. But it's like, how can that be? They're born of humans at some point, And, you know, they have a birth certificate. But then, oh, oh there's something in their gene. So that means they don't have human rights anymore. So you, they can just be locked away and you know thrown in a dungeon or deported to another planet, but it, it's it's like saying like oh you have let's let's say cerebral palsy, then you lose your rights. I mean that's that's a load of crap. So it's just it's so it, it just feels so extreme and it's so ugly, and I, I get that that's the point, but it it doesn't make it that enjoyable to read. So I'm I'm just so I hate this. I hate, yeah, hate. I, I'm gonna throw the hate back at them. I don't like all this, 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 all this hate. I hate the hate. So uh, the sanctuary that that they've kind of set up, because like the core Alpha Flight team, as I mentioned with the first issue, probably, but they've been kind of, kind of doing like the X Factor, the original X Factor route, where they're they're posing as mutant hunters, or whatever, and so like Guardian and you know somebody up Puck and shaman they're fighting you know they, they go out to seek mutants and then it's like whoops they got away type of thing or you know they'll alert the others that are working with them it's like hey you need to get there before we get there because you know we're coming and and so forth but they're kind of forced to tip their hand when when things kind of go south a little bit and one thing that that <laughs> is is kind of that was kind of silly in this issue is well, actually, I don't say. I feel like it's it's just spoilers. Where someone is captured, and they just like out their name, but then like somebody others, you know, other people get captured too, and and they don't use their name. They're like 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 shaman or puck. You know, puck's puck's name's not puck. It's Eugene. Whatever. It just seems silly that they're like, oh, by the way, and this one person who happens to be this, and yeah, so you got that. Um, then we have. Amazing Spider-Man 39. Um, we're in, in the middle of gang war. So there's um, there's some some kind of there's some okay moments. The cover <laughs> I think the cover is a little silly. So we have we have Spider-Man with like 
a baseball bat. It's like a kind of a, it almost looks like a stick. We got She-Hulk with apparently like spiky metal wrapped around her arms and fists. And uh, <laughs> Miles Morales has brass knuckles. Uh, <laughs> uh, Spider-Woman, I don't know what these are called. Those l- little like baton things that like you kind of see on pirate ships that you, you pull it from like the big poles. I don't know what those are called. And then uh, we got Electra. I'm assuming that's a regular sword. It almost looks like it's glowing. But things are going crazy. All the gangs are fighting. It's explosive. Big, massive battles going on the streets. So people are freaking out. <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of interesting. That, like the, the What's his name? The Circus of Crime dude, the ringleader, where he's... You know, he he starts like some people are, are running for their lives. He's like, "Oh no, you're going to join my army!" Do-do-do-do, uses his his powers, and that was like the ringleader. It's like <laughs> such a such a doof. And uh, you know, he's like with uh, aim. They're, they're they're fighting. So we, we got just massive battles going on, and then we got Spider Man. So I I feel like we kind of missed something because you know he was going to gather some some heroes. Heroes are still illegal. There's an anti vigilante law that, that kingpin helped put in into play when he was mayor so spidey's managed to recruit she hulk miles uh electra daredevil and spider woman to to help out but then as, as they're looking at the chaos around the top of a building so she hulk gets ready to jump down she like just tears off her jacket and it's, it's like why does she like take it off and like set it down fold it maybe she can pick it up later one of the things that that bothers me, it happened in a, a, I think it was the last issue. But Miles has been like such a jerk, and he's because you know he's he, and and so he's kind kind of got a point. But he says like you know, oh Peter, you ghosted me or whatever. He's like you know, I got I'm dealing with stuff too, but it's like, Spidey was like in another dimension, and Mary Jane's life was at risk. There's just like this mystical whatever being that's like targeting and stuff like that it's like sorry little high school kid you know that i don't have time to deal with your problems and 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 yeah there's stuff with his family and you know that their house got blown up or whatever but it's like he's such a jerk (laughs) and then and then i still don't get this venom sword that he has i don't understand why does he have that so it's it's one thing okay he's got natural no does he he doesn't have natural webbing right does he have to make his webbing so he has web shooters. That's that's Peter. Did did Peter? Uh, whatever. But he has the venom blast. Okay, so that's different from from Peter. He's got the cloaking thing. That's different. So if that wasn't enough, it's like so now let's give him another power because it's it's like why why did he need to keep giving him all this stuff? Is is that not enough? Is is like is it a competition to see like who's the better Spider Man? That writers are like, well, we got to add something else because that. So now he, he, he not, I totally missed when I, I, I know I read when it happened. I must have read when it happened. But now he can make a, a venom saber, and he like just chops the guns of like three aim soldiers. <laughs> but feel free to fill up on venom saber. It's like that's so cheesy. It's like what's going on? I, I just don't don't get it. Yeah. Um. So other than that. There, there's some funny interactions between Spidey and, and She-Hulk, and then uh, I'll just say uh, Tombstone's awake from his uh, coma thing, so we have that. But uh, I don't know. Then there is a Avengers issue eight. Uh, 
I I tend to I really enjoy Jed McKay's writing. I don't know what it is about his Avengers, and it's it's not necessarily the you know the writing of the characters in a team. You know that's all fine, but I'm I'm just finding the 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 choice of villains, and he's he's coming up with some new villains, which is cool. You know, don't just use a, the same old same old. So he's coming up some some pretty big massive threats. And in in some ways, it almost feels like they're too big, but that there's nothing wrong with that because you know what are you gonna like go after a, a, a convenience store mugger robber whatever? So they're they're fighting these people, and, and I I think it's just the attitude of the quote unquote villains that is a little off putting. But you know, of course they're gonna be arrogant or whatever. So it's just well, I I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, then there's Daredevil. So Daredevil number four, as you can see in the cover, Bullseye's there. I, I'm not a big fan of Bullseye. Uh, I don't dislike Bullseye as much as Carnage. It might be kind of close. The the difference between I mean they're both and and you know they're both scuzzy characters. They're both like cold blooded whatever. You know Bullseye will, will kill has no problem killing anyone. But what bothers me is that he's got like such an attitude and he, it's like he's not a human he has zero compassion none whatsoever i mean he is totally a cold-blooded killer and the fact that he's got all these skills it's like how does he have these skills you know because he i don't he's not immune right i'm trying to think about his origin because i remember when he you know with the baseball thing and it's like how did he get his skills I mean, i'm totally drawing a blank now but i remember reading when when it just like in a during the comic vine days, I remember reading his, like his, his backstory and it's just, you know, he's just so good that he can do anything. And it's like, it's, he's just unstoppable. And you know, no matter what happens, like he keeps coming back like a friggin' cockroach. So he's involved. And then, uh, it's interesting because daredevil confronts, um, Ben Urich cause Ben Urich is, there's something going on with him. You know, he, he's the way he's snapping at, at Robbie Robertson and Robbie like doesn't say dude what's what's up with it because you know it's, it's like are you possessed it's like why are you acting like an evil jerk and then you know he's targeting the 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 church thing that Matt Murdock is at now and then it well, I'll just say this I won't say the whole you know what happens with this but Matt goes over to talk to him as as father is he father Matt you know, in, in his preacher outfit, and, like, Ben doesn't recognize him. I'm like, wait, what? And that, that's the whole thing. It's, like, Daredevil dying and coming back, and I, I don't know, I don't know, like, what his name is. Like, did, does, did he get a new birth certificate? Is he no longer Matt Murdock attorney, and no one recognizes him? Because, you know, he's probably been in the news at some point. You know, this, you know, he's a kick-butt lawyer who happens to be blind, and not that being blind is, you know, we're going to restrict him, but the fact that he accomplished so much at that, I, I feel like the, you know, the newspapers would be all over that, that he's such a hotshot lawyer and, you know, with a quote unquote disability and that that doesn't stop him. Fantastic Four issue 14. I'm, I'm just really, really having an issue with the fact that a year has gone by that they are fast, quickly approaching year. We're at issue 14. First issue, there's a big battle and Reed was forced to send the Baxter building a year into the future to protect the kids and, and you know, people inside. And now it's been like a year real time and they're saying that that is year. And 
so I, I've, I've complained about this already and I don't want to just keep complaining about it every month, but I, I just, it just really bothers me that you're saying that one year in our time is a year in their time. And, you know, they, they can always change it where the next five you know, issues could take place over a day, you know, if, if this way that the story is laid out, but I, I just really, it just really bothers me. So as they make plans for the return, you know, they, they go to the site where, it's going to pop up, but then they find there's some construction stuff going on. There's some people in there. It's like, wait, what's going on? And then it's kind of tied into this other thing. And, and, uh, um, there is kind of this AI app thing going on. That sort of, there's, it's almost like there's like a slight mission there and things kind of get, um, kind of get out, out of, out of hand from the, the person in charge of it and everything. So, but then, uh there's a little hiccup at the end for the fantastic four so i'll just say that invincible iron man issue 13 um i feel you know so i've been reading this series but i feel like i i I don't know if i glossed over something so i guess the plan is now you know tony stark is working with emma frost he's you know they, they they have a common enemy this dude running orcus you know he's targeted all the mutants he's also taken over all of stark's stuff so, you know, they just want to take him down. And they secretly married. You know, Emma Frost is posing as Hazel something. So it looks like they're married. And they have this plan set where they're going to get some of the... What was it called? The the mutant metal stuff that they found. So the, I guess they're going to build like an army or just ships of the stuff to take on... Maybe is it, take on, is it to take on the Sentinels? And, you know, Tony wants to build an armor out of it. It's like, wait, you already built armor out of this stuff. But then they're also working with Riri. Riri's had, like, such an attitude, such a chip on her shoulder. You know, she's got the the Mandarin rings. I just don't don't get it. It's, it's yeah, so they got this plan in motion, but it's like, oh, okay. Oh, and then, uh, surprise, Star Fox is in here. And there's some some kind of funny moments. All right, then there's The Century, which is by, uh, let's see, Jason Liu, uh, Luigi Zakaria, and Arthur Nestle. Um, so I'm not the biggest, I was never the biggest Century fan. And what was weird is, like, didn't he die at one point? Then he came back, like, right away, and then he's dead again. So it's like, wait, what is going on? I can't even keep track of him. Or, or maybe I'm also thinking that the century what i will give the century credit for is didn't he like take carnage cletus cassidy out in space and like rip him in half so it's like thank you <laughs> uh even though that's not not appropriate you don't tear people in half they deserved justice or whatever anyway so century is apparently dead and i guess they're saying yeah okay whatever he's dead for good but marvel apparently doesn't want to just let him you know, let the, the, the name or, or whatever rest. So somehow the power of the century, and maybe I just don't know <laughs> enough about century. Uh, I'm trying to think like, how did he get his powers in the first place? Did he didn't just have it. Uh, so I really like the century. I mean, if we back up, I, I, I thought it was interesting how they first introduced him. They're like, yeah, here's this character that existed, but then he was kind of erased from, from, existence or from people's memories so he was actually like good friends with reed richards and spidey knew him and and everything like that and then he had to 
get like erased from everyone's mind type of thing. So no one knew he existed, but even though he had been around for years type of thing. But then he was just, it was also interesting because then, you know, he was, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say mentally unstable, but, you know, he had like the split personality as this darkness and, you know, the, the, the void that was trying to take over and just trying to hang on with that. So, you know, that made him a little complex, a little more interesting, but, but still it, I just was, and maybe he was just too powerful. Maybe that, that kind of, you know, I didn't like it because of that. But anyways, he's dead. So now his power is kind of going towards people for some reason. And it, because it's the first issue, we have no idea why. But so far, it looks like three people have been uh, the, the recipients of of this power. Now, there's it, I don't know if there's any necessarily rhyme or reason towards this. And the way they get their power is kind of violent. It just kind of happens. And, you know, there's uh, causing destruction. And part of it is just the power being unleashed and, you know, them not really knowing how to control it and, and everything. So that's an interesting twist in that. It's like, what are they going to do? But then, spoiler, one of the individuals it doesn't necessarily have the most noblest um, intentions. And uh, things kind of take start taking a turn, which, uh, you know, of course you got to have that. Uh, you know, I found it a little annoying, but again it it puts a little little spice in the mix or whatever and rather than have something too easy and straightforward you know you have to have the 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 shake-ups and everything like that to the conflicts uh so i, I don't know where this can go but if we look in the cover we have one two three four we have five different people so i don't know how many people are going to get the power and if they're going to be able to get along and what are you going to do with this one person who's just a royal scumbag and uh I don't know, and uh, and oh, and then what was cool is you know so we get Jessica Jones here, you know she's like, well, you know if if Luke is busy at the mayor's office, I'm just just gonna sit home. So I'm you know she's working on her alias investigations to help people, and there's a explosion nearby, so she goes to check it out to see if she can help, and because business is slow, because she's the mayor's wife, and no one really wants to go to her, I guess. But then Misty Knight shows up and she kind of has this like big attitude towards her. And it's like, I don't know if there's been tension between them before, but she's she's kind of a jerk towards her, you know, because Misty's working with whatever organization, a, I forget what it's called. And she's just, just being a jerk, you know, and Jessica's like, she just wants to help. She's like, well, I don't, I don't think they can afford you because they just lost her home because, you know, this building gets like smashed or whatever. And it's like, you know, I got to be such a jerk about it. Uh, Star Wars issue 41 i'm not sure if i've been reading this so much because you know part of it it's the dark droids crossover stuff and i haven't been too crazy about that but there's also been all this stuff with lando and lobot you know because lobot is like sick and infected and lando's trying to help him so yeah um and and then the thing is lando apparently committed some treason against a rebellion and you know it's it's like he's kind of got that secret and what's going to happen if if like princess leia finds out what we do find out here and yeah i just see not really sure about that there's our dark droids d squad number four i just i i couldn't i was going to read this and i just i couldn't couldn't do it um we do have a new thunderbolts i feel like we just recently had a Thunderbolts that, you know, they're working because the Thunderbolts are supposed to be working for the mayor's office 
in, in you know in New York. And so here, this Thunderbolts has absolutely nothing to do with them. And they even kind of take take the name. It's like, uh, aren't they still using it? Do you have permission to use it? Who ha- ha- owns the right to it? I don't know if, if anyone does. But we have, uh, you see Bucky Barnes on the cover, the Red Skull must die. So he wants to go after the Red Skull, and he is going to start recruiting some people. And I don't know if it's a spoiler as to who is in this book or not, because, you know, they're not on the cover and I don't know what the solicit says. I mean, I, I guess I could look that up. But it was a. I would would say it's it's you know interesting to see them because you know I I'm a, a Bucky Barnes fan, so I I like seeing him here and uh, the choice of characters. It it is kind of nice because they don't necessarily go like the obvious choice. You know, they can try to you know go. Um, you know, just try to go go too easy. So they, there's like a, a couple. It's like that's that's kind of an interesting, um, you know, that they're they're going with with, with that one. Um, I'm also okay. I'm I'm basically kind of stalling as I'm looking up on uh, previews. But it, it's weird. There's a George, uh, it's a George Perez variant, but it has Songbird on the cover, which that's a it's a really really cool cover, but. She has nothing to do with this issue, so it just it, it seems weird. Maybe it's, it was just art that they had from George Perez, and they're like, "Well, you know, we want to use it, we want to honor him," but I, it, it just seems weird. I bet you it's like a, like a retailer incentive or some crazy thing that's going to be like super expensive, which just feels exploitive. So I, I don't know about that, but that that's a it's a cool cover, uh, whatever. Uh, okay, so. Bucky Barnes Revolution just inherited a mountain of covert intel. So that whole thing with with uh, Bucky and Rev- I did not care for that. But that was uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing were in charge of that Captain America series, which they're writing this. So it's like, eh. but I, I didn't enjoy this this issue. So he's got a mountain of intel, but he has one objective: justice, like lightning. <laughs> He's going after the establishment. The people, no one else is willing or able to take down, and he'll do whatever it takes to win. Teaming, okay, so they, they do spoil it in this in the solicit. Teaming with the mysterious Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, Bucky assembles a team of black ops heavy hitters to pursue high-profile targets like the Red Skull, Kingpin, and even Doctor Doom himself. So that stuff apparently is coming up in future issues. No one is safe from the Thunderbolts. <laughs> Uh, we do find something pretty interesting about Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, which I don't know if it was something that was known. I didn't know about it. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see that that played out. Then there's a Venom 28. I, I couldn't read this issue. I, I, I was trying to as I was skimming through it. But uh, all these other characters, all these, there's so many symbiotes. I can't even keep track of them. And, and there's like so many kids. You know, there's Dylan, there's other kids and... I don't even can't even think of the other kids' name. Like who are these kids? It's not not Norman, Normie Normie Osborne. It's like someone else. And I want to read this because, <laughs> for whatever reason, Black Widow has a symbiote. I just don't understand how or why, but I I just couldn't get into it. Um, I'm gonna I'll keep trying because I like Black Widow and I'm really curious where this is gonna go. 
Then there's X-Men 29. So this is like the regular X-Men. I, I, I consider this like the flagship title because this is like the main book in, in my opinion. So this is one by Jerry Duggan and I really like Jerry Duggan. So that's why I'm considering the main one, even though maybe it's not, I don't know. But basically it's uh, X-Men versus Dr. Doom. So Dr. Doom, apparently when Krakow was happening, he's like, this is going to last. It's not going to work. Xavier doesn't know what he's doing. And he, you know, he shut the borders down to, you know, he didn't want any, the, the mutant uh, teleportation gates going into Latveria. But, you know, he's always a jerk anyway. So of course, you know, he doesn't want anyone coming and going because he wants everything. He wants control over everything. But he, you know, he has some mutants in Latveria and he's, of course, which he's never done this before, but, you know, he's going to try to take them and use them, not necessarily use them, but he's, you know, he's going to use them. And, you know, he's, he gathers them together to protect them. He, we see him kind of saving them from different things, but uh, it, it's kind of interesting. So that, you know, the mutants uh, like uh, Kate Pride, Wolverine, uh, um, Ms. Marvel. I'm trying to think, was there anyone else there? I feel like there, there were. They, they go to try to get, because they need all the mutants they can get, because there aren't any mutants, you know, they're all, where are they? You know, did they die, or are they missing? And Dr. Doom's like, you can't just come, and blah, blah, blah. So, it's, will he help, or not? That's the big thing, because they're like, there's no Sentinels in Latveria, which is true, but at some point, you know, they're going to be a target, so we'll have to see about that. So that was a marvel at DC, so DC didn't have a lot this week, um, but still, I didn't read everything that I would normally read. There was a Batman 140. Um, I, I'm apparently uh, Vandal Savage is still around because I don't think it was a flashback, but you know he's there's this group of rich snobs that they're intrigued with the fact that he bought the Wayne estate or Wayne Manor or whatever. And, you know, because they're super rich and everything, you know, they have, like, no scruples in, in that. And, you know, they want to rule Gotham and whatever. But Vandal Savage isn't going to, you know, he, he kind of lays clear what's, you know, what his thoughts are. So there's some interesting stuff there. And then I'm trying to remember what happened with, I don't even remember what happened with Batman. Oh, wait, is this, no, this is a, there, Batman is, 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 fighting against uh, Zer and R still. And, you know, there's this attack with Joker going on. This is the same issue, I, I, mean, I think. I feel like I read it so long ago. And what drives me nuts is Joker's like, oh, Brucey, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, Joker would never call him Bruce or Brucey. And and he basically, he's trying to lure, lure out the Batman that he wants, you know, he doesn't want, he wants a darker Batman. He doesn't want Bruce Wayne, which makes sense. So it's like, why are you keep calling him that? It's like, he never referenced his name up until the last like couple years or whatever. So with Zer and R trying to fight for control, it's, it's things are getting a little violent and Joker's like getting off on it. So it's just kind of, kind of weird. And there's a appearance of another character from Chip Zdarsky uh, Batman, like the, the, whatever it was, the, the training issue, the, the, the night, I forget what it was called. Um, there's some Teen Titans books. I, I didn't read them because I, I wasn't really sure if, if I wanted to read them, if, if they're going to be worth the time, if, if they 
quote-unquote mattered, which I hate to say that, but there was a Titans Beast World number one. So that, I, I mean, I like Beast, but uh, it, it just, yeah, I, I, I didn't read that. But then um, there was another Beast World. So maybe I should be reading this because there's Beast World uh, Waller Rising. It's like, how many Beast... I, maybe I have to go back and read this to figure out what's going on. Why Why do we have so many Beast World stuff? Um, yeah, because I don't know if this is like some big arc and some big stuff's going to happen and I'm not going to know what's going on. There was Birds of Prey issue four. I'm digging this, this book so much. So I, I love Kelly Thompson's writing. I'll say that every single time she has a book out. Uh, Leonardo Romero, I love his art. It's, it's just... It's so much fun, you know. They 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 had to go to the the birds of prey had to go to Themyscira, and they're fighting the Amazons. And then Wonder Woman, you know, they're, they're trying to avoid Wonder Woman finding out. She comes into it, so we get some some pretty massive fighting going on. And uh, it's just it it I just really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, a lot of cool. You know, Leonardo Romero does these really cool action scenes. You know, just takes place like over two pages spread out. It's just just really cool. Then there is Shazam issue six. So this is Mark Wade and, and Dan Mora. So they, they've been kind of fighting against the gods. You know, the, the gods have been very mischievous, which seems weird. But, you know, they're, they're tired of Shazam just using their powers and them not doing anything and no one caring about the gods anymore because, you know, they're like almost like all forgotten. So they're, they're trying to take over Shazam and do... But it's like they're doing mischievous things, and they're 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 making him look bad. It's like it just seems very petty that they're just very upset. So they're gonna make Shazam look bad because no one cares about Solomon or or Hercules or whoever you know whatever gods they are. It just it seems weird. And and then what's up with Freddy? He's like, is he really so hungry for power that he's gonna you know a, agree to be their puppet? in that or is there more to it than that but it, it it's it's good i haven't been reading so the second issue of superman 78 uh i, I should go back and check that out because you know I, I like robert venditti's writing uh but yeah so i i don't think i read the first issue so here's what i mentioned before there's a batman santa claus silent night with a k and um i i did kind of start flipping through it it's got some nice art uh zatanna's in here but it's a, a holiday issue not you know i have nothing against the holidays but when it's a holiday issue i i just feel like i feel like they're just kind of throwaway stories you know that they're, they don't have any lasting impact on anything it, it's just i don't know what the point is i don't know if people buy them for the holidays i don't know if people buy them for gifts if people just want to re if they really like the holidays they want to read the holiday stories but a lot of times they're just i i just they're you read it and then it's like okay i have no recollection of, of that and and i i just i don't know I, i'm not sure i'm sure there must be people that are digging it but it wasn't me so i i didn't check that out or i mean i didn't read it but Part of me feel like I should, but I'm trying to resist that. Like where the, the the feeling that I feel like I need to read everything just because Batman's in it or whoever's in it. But maybe it was good. You know, maybe I, I, sh I should have read it. Um, Blue Beetle issue four came out. I haven't been reading that because I wasn't super crazy about the the first story, whatever four or five issues. But I don't know if this is any better. And I, again, I feel like I should, but 
Uh, it's just a matter of time. Um, Poison Ivy, I haven't read this in so many months. I'm, I'm glad it's out. I'm glad that it's at issue 17. Uh, so people must be enjoying it. And then Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville. So uh, this is issue four. This is such a bizarre comic. And I, I'm not really sure who this is for. It, it's so weird because it almost feels like it's out of continuity. It's, it's, it's very weird and wacky, which is, is fine. You know, I, I enjoy that sometimes. But it's just weird that they're in Smallville. Fire and Ice go, go there. They're hanging out with Martha a lot, which seems like almost like it could be dangerous like risking you know clark's secret identities like why is this you know why is clark's mom hanging out with them if people you know put put two and two that she's martha kent and all that and they brought in all these villains because fire is just it almost feels like i don't know if if they're just they're acting a little out of character and, and you know they're probably trying to bring in some of that justice league international humor you know the nostalgia that people may have for that but it's just it's just a little absurd and then we have lobo here i just i'm not i i used to really like lobo i'm just not a fan of him and it's just i yeah but crypto's there too and it, it's just it's funny that superman is like he's such a jerk in this one because you know he basically He's, you know, they, the fire and ice got in trouble. So he's like, it's almost like he, he's putting him in a timeout in Smallville. And then they're, tr but the fact that they're not trying to make secret identities or just so open about who they are. And it's just, it's just, it's such a weird book, but that's going to be it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you're looking for something weird and I just, I'm so confused by it. And, and I, I can't stop reading it, so maybe that's something. But it's like, I don't know where it's going. But um, I do know where this podcast is going because we have a, a lot of shows to talk about. So that is going to be comics for the week. All right, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Uh, uh, episode 105, uh, Lights, Camera, Sparks. <laughs> and do I need to say it again how this is just so bizarre, how it's so different than the movie? If, if you watch the movie, if that's all you know, I mean, it's different from the comic, so it's it's its own thing. And I think that is that is awesome that it's, you know, because in case you ever want more, it's it's something totally different. Multiverse, we'll call it what you want, but it's it's something different. So it, it starts off, is Scott Pilgrim still dead, possibly? Or is he dead? That's, that's a big, big question. So it starts off, the following documentary began as a behind-the-scenes promotional featurette for the release of the major Canadian motion picture, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Unfortunately, during the process, the movie fell apart. The footage now stands as a first-hand account of how the movie-making dream can become a nightmare. So we see Envy Adams sitting next to, to Todd Ingram. So Envy is playing Ramona Flowers, Todd's playing Scott Pilgrim. Uh, the person interviewing asked him if is it true that neither of them had have acted before and he's like yeah you know yes but we're very very famous and that's basically the same thing and todd's like it's like yeah we're rock stars we basically do what we want and right now what they want is to be movie stars young neil is being interviewed since he's a screenwriter he's asked the movies living up to his vision the director <laughs> is Ed edgar wrong i don't know if i mentioned that in the, the last last recap or whatever so instead of edgar right it's edgar wrong he, he's interviewed some stuff and he's just kind of like a little, little wacky. 
there's a shot of an empty chair and interviewers like, aren't we supposed to be interviewing Envy Adams stunt double right now? Then Ramona Flowers comes crashing in on her rollerblades, introduce herself. Cause you know, they, they, she's like, like, yeah, they, they said I should, should come talk to you. It's my first day here. So they're like, you're the stunt double for Ramona Flowers. And your name is also Ramona Flowers. And you know, she thinks about it and she's like, mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm a physical person. I never thought about stunt work. It turns out I'm pretty good at it. So she's asked if this is the beginning of a new career. And she said she only took the job because security realized she wasn't working on a movie and she needed an excuse to be on set so she could be close enough to Todd to find out if he used the vegan portal to kidnap the guy that she went out with one time. And her interview's like, uh, what? So it's like all this, just it's, it seems a, a bit much. So then there's talk to Wallace. He says, you know, the only thing better than being him is being paid to be him. Wallace is just getting like more and more annoying, but whatever. Uh, there's a scene where, you know, they arrive at the rocket. Scott is supposed to lightly put his arm on Ramona's shoulder, but he keeps like smooching like envy. And so Wallace suggests the director that they, they change some things. So it ends up where Scott and Wallace stare at each other and then they kiss and there's sparks. Because, you know, there's a whole thing about sparks happening and envy is not really happy. <laughs> and Todd's kind of like in a daze. So it's like, wait, what's going on here? Todd and Wallace, they uh, decide they need to keep practicing lines in Todd's trailer. Mm-mm-mm, if you know what I mean. Uh, the trailers are rocking. Don't come a-knocking. What? Ramona's asked about her and Todd. So there's a flashback. She says that they met her junior year. He told her that that the love of his life was waiting for him back in Canada. And he also said that he liked to live in a moment, which generally uh, meant sloppy makeout sessions behind the school. So then uh, the interviewer's like, is it true he punched a hole in the moon for you? She's like, you know, he teleported to the moon. And, and she's like, it was absolutely the most horrifying thing I've ever seen or something, something like that. And then uh, she catches Todd later at a food tent eating celery and she's like we need to talk about scott pilgrim he's like i'm scott pilgrim and she's like Ugh. she's like no i mean and then wallace walks by he's like hold that thought and then he like just like ditches her just goes over by by wallace he opens up a portal and they leave and she's like what so it's the end of day two production was already 17 million dollars over budget with only three shots in a can this is yeah uh, ramona says that you know, she's got a big fight scene today. She was hoping that she can pull Todd away from Wallace for a few minutes. And she's like, they always seem to be running lines in his trailer. It's like, why is that? Todd, he can't get enough of Wallace. You know, they, they, they're holding hands behind Ramon, Ramona, behind her, her back, like during, during a, a scene. They're playing like footsies while eating. Uh, then sitting next to Envy in an interview session, he's getting all like, uh, and he's like, I can't be with you anymore. And then he like lifts his shirt and he shows like a Wallace tattoo. He's like, I'm in love with them. And she's like, what? And she's like, gets up and leaves. So she's like ticked off. Wallace is being interviewed and Envy storms in. He's like, hey, I'm uh, talking to the camera here. So she tells Todd to tell him what he just told her. So then Todd like struggles and, he, and Wallace is like, he's in love with me, isn't he? And Todd like goes red, like he's kind of embarrassed or whatever. But then he's, he's like, mm-hmm. And Envy's like not happy. Wallace is like, I'll fix this. He's like, Todd, buddy, it was just an onset fling. It's like when the movie ends, so does the relationship. He's like, you don't love me? What about the spark? And Wallace is like, what spark? And Todd like follows his, his knees. He glows green. He starts like banging his head against the floor. 
And see, this is the thing. Like, Aldous for Wallace? Like, what's so special about Wallace? I mean, not that uh, Todd is anything, but he's got the vegan power, man. <laughs> I don't know. So, and, you know, he's, he's all mad. Uh, he opens a, uh, he's banging his head against the floor. He opens a portal above him and he, like, floats up. And Envy, like, growls. She kicks over Wallace's chair. And, and she's like, Wallace Wells, you broke my boyfriend. Prepare to die. And he's like, stop it. Jeez, I have some dignity. This is a film set. He's like, if you want to fight with me, fight with them. He, like, waves his hand and, like, four stunt doubles, like, pop out of the cabinets in it. And he's, like, outraged that he has four stunt doubles and they only gave her one. And he's like, it's in my contract. Get a better lawyer, baby. And Envy just growls. So Envy goes to Ramona. She's sitting in a chair. And she's like, time for stunts. And Ramona's like, uh, I'm doing an interview. And Envy just, like, yanks her away. So the four stunt doubles face off against Ramona. And I don't know if Envy's going to get involved or not. Wallace Wells versus Envy Adams. And Ramona, she kicks it to, like, two of them into a building right away. She just, like, knocks them out. Then she noticed that uh, straight Wallace is a stunt double now. Because, you know, he has no other job. Uh, fight 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 all the stunt doubles are defeated um so wallace is gonna have to fight ramona says that she doesn't remember this in the script and envy's like it's not for the movie so they go to todd's trailer and he's eating a bucket of something i don't know if it's supposed to be poutine or something like that is or if it's just chicken you know there's like a mess on his face and all you know whatever and envy's like oh todd breaking vegan edge and he invites him in Envy's upset when he talks about love and how she wouldn't understand. She's like, you've known him for three bleep days. Ramona confronts him about using a vegan portal to kidnap the real Scott Pilgrim. She puts in a videotape. Envy talks about, about the portal. She's, the, it, she's like, it's a vegan portal, all right, but it's better than anything Todd's ever made. And she says that Ramona spent three days taking orders from her just to show Todd that. You know, she has no other leads. You know, how, how sad. And then she says, by the way, you're fired. And Ramona's like, I quit. So Ramona's walking off the set. Then a helicopter starts to kick up the wind. And then <laughs> Sharp Dressed Man by ZZ Top starts up. Matthew Patel comes out in a fancy suit. He starts like firing people, like the director, the cameraman. Uh, there's more talking. He says he's there to shut the film down. Ramona's like, you know, she's not really surprised. And says that you know, he's probably losing money. And he's like, it's not about that. And he asked if she read the script. He's like, it's character assassination to me. He's like, I won that fight. I punched Scott Pilgrim to death. And she's like, well, you didn't actually punch him to death. Someone kidnapped him and made it look like you won. He's like, huh? Then she explains whatever. And you know, he's like, is he mad at me? And she's like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out who did this. So he goes on and on about how it's his empire. He's not going to make the same mistakes that Gideon made. He's here in Toronto, too. Uh, with someone named Julie and Ramona. Uh, so she crosses uh, Todd's name off the list. And then there's something else. Did she cross off someone else's name? But then um, at Julie's, it looks like they're watching TV. And that's the end of, of the fifth episode. So uh, it, it's weird now. I, I, have to, I don't know if this was like my favorite episode. I mean, there, there's no Lucas Lee for one thing. But I, I think mainly it's... It was kind. Of, it almost felt like it wasn't like a full episode because it was. It was like this, you know, interview, this documentary thing, and I don't know. Maybe it was too much Wallace. Uh, I don't know, but I, I'm, yeah, yeah. So that that was episode five. Okay, then Monarch 
Legacy of Monsters. So I'm just going to do episode three. So I, like I said before, uh, I'm a couple weeks behind or a couple episodes behind. We'll get there. So it picks up with the the audio and video of Kate Kentaro uh, um, and May going to Shaw. So like they're being watched there because yeah, Shaw's at a monarch uh, facility. I forget what what he called it. It the the screen recognizes Shaw. You know, there's like facial recognition or something like that. It also notes that his tracker has been disabled, so they they start he heading out to, like towards the the van that they rented in the parking lot. And Kate, she's like, "I'm not going anywhere with him." And Shaw's like, "Hey, you came to me." He's like, "If you don't want to find out if your father's alive or dead, that's your business." He's like, "I do want to find out." And Kentaro, he's like, "If he's even alive, he's like, where do we start looking?" And Shaw says that like we start where his trail ended. And Kate says, she's like, well, good luck with that. There's hundreds of square miles, you know, of Alaska. And Kate, you know, she just wants to be left out of whatever monarch wants with her father. And Kentaro, he wants to find his father. And then Shaw's like, me too. And then May's like, why do you want to find him? And Shaw says that Hiroshi Randa is more like a son to him than a nephew. He's the only family that he's ever had. But then an alarm goes off, so they, they start running to, to the van. Then Shaw, he's like, asked for the keys. And Katara's like, well, it's a rental. He's like, I don't think that's allowed. And Shaw's like, he's like, God, you are your father's son. He's like, come on. So they, they get in. Then he, he looks and he's like, where's the key go? And Katara's like, when was the last time you drove? He's like, if it floats, flies, or runs on four wheels, he's like, I can handle it. So then some guards called because, you know, they start driving because they show him, you know, pushed a button. Or he's like, what button? So they start driving and the, the guards like, they're headed towards the south gate. So when they get there, these two pole barriers like, like pop up out of the ground. So Shaw slams on the brakes and like, ding, just like kind of taps them. And then he asks Kentaro, he's like, did you pay for collision? And he's like, yeah. So he backs up, cuts the wheel, drives through like a gazebo, and, and they go through this other gate. So they, you know, they then they head towards like the back entrance. They bust out through a gate onto the road. And then there's a flashback. Shaw's in uniform. Um, Kai and and Billy are during this hangar. These uh, three three cars, four cars. Well, it doesn't matter. They start approaching, and Billy and Kai like want to keep what they're doing a secret. But Shaw says that well, if you want to make a difference, you know, if we want to do some serious science, that we, we need backing. So, you know, they kind of think it over a little bit, not that there's really any time because whoever's coming. Then Billy asks, he's like, can we trust this guy? And Shaw's like, as long as you don't make him look like a jackass. So he, he walks up to him. It's a general dude. He's like, welcome to Monarch, General. And then uh, General's like, who would have thought you'd parlay escort duty into your first command? He's like, and these eggheads are already starting to grow on you, Shaw. And then they go up to him. Kai congratulates the general on his promotion. And he says something like that. And he's like, thank you, miss, whatever. And she's like, doctor so she kind of corrected him and you can see that kind of bothered him that he was corrected and that's like what shaw said not to make him look like a jackass and so and then you know it's 1954 and it's uh two years after the philippines so they go to his hangar uh they took an impression of a giant footprint in like a muddy field in indonesia and you know so it's sitting there and shaw says that uh, you know it was, it was three weeks ago and general's like how does something this big walk around without being seen? And Billy starts saying, he's like, well, we think, you know, we're thinking maybe teleportation. But Shaw says, we have a number of working theories. <laughs> and the general says that he's like, this is going to give me nightmares. And, and he's like, you know, footprints don't just appear in the sand. And he's like, couldn't you at least get me a photograph? And Shaw's like, why just settle for a photograph? He's like, what if we had to wait to lure it out of hiding? And Billy's like, 
all we need is 150 you know tons of uranium and and that like it's this tension and shaw's like let me explain sir and, and he's like the general's like that's as much as we dropped in japan and kai's like she just like closed her eyes just like dude he said in general's like what are you up to here and kai said kai says that uh when she was doing research for her doctorate she discovered anomalous uh radiation trails in the troposphere i don't even know if the general knew what, what she's talking about but then shaw says that they think that they may be directly correlated with the the titans movements but it's i think this is the first time they call them titans and the, the general doesn't even question it I, I don't know he's like you think they're radioactive and um kai's like it's less that they emit radiation it's more that they absorb it they feed on it and shaw says that he thinks that they need to seize initiative you know facing them over there is far better than facing them over here and he's like isn't that what Ike would, would say? And he's like, President Eisenhower, our commander-in-chief, would say that we need every last ounce of uranium for national security. And Shaw's like, well, with all due respect, sir, a creature like this, as big as this, is an ex existential threat to global security. A little bit later, General's men leave. They, they drive off. And Billy's like, excited. He's like, yes. He's like, we got it. He's like, any idea how huge this is? And Kai's like, 150 pounds, I'd say. And they kind of laugh. And Shaw's like, maybe next time, don't lead with teleportation. And he's like, well, it's a theory. And Shaw's like, yeah, and so, so is Flat Earth, but it's not going to get you funding from the Pentagon. And uh, Billy's like, we're talking about upending creatures of accepted science and evolution, zoology, physics. It requires open minds. And Shaw's like, and open eyes, Billy. He's like, you got to read the room. He's like, well, this is a voyage of discovery. So I'm not going to you know bite my tongue and just to support you know just to get support for a bunch of gun-toting neanderthals and he says that you know there's a lot of work to do he's like well, i'll see you in the office he like walks out and kai says to shah it's like you know he that he he's like you know how he is you know if it wasn't for, but she was like you know if it wasn't for him for shah neither of them would be here right now and that's a fact he's like so you're saying that there is a place for gun-toting neanderthals he's like thank you and she's like he is right though if we hide who we are and what we're trying to do, then you know what's the point of doing it at all? So then it cuts to the older Shaw, 2014 or 15, whatever. He talks about their dad and how Billy kept journals. You know, he would write down every crazy thing that he he came across until his pencils were were nothing but nubs. And Kentaro's, he's like, yeah, you know, dad did that. You know, he'd sharpen them with his the pen knife he carried. And Kate's like, he would leave the shavings everywhere. Mom got tired of sweeping up after them. And Shaw's like, well, there's something in there that Hiroshi didn't want Monarch to know about. He's like, you know, his, his gut says that if they find it before they do, then they can find it, Hiroshi. Kentaro says that, you know, May built something to read uh, the, the files and that, but it's back at her place. And she's like, well, actually, I digitized them already. And Shaw's like, all right, egghead. He's like, I need you to look in there for anything about Alaska. And Kentaro asks, he's like, when was Monarch founded? And Shaw's like, oh, you know, late 40s or thereabouts. And May's like, wouldn't that uh, make you like 90 years old? And he's like, well, you know, you know, what, what can I say? You know, good genes, huh? So I, that, that seemed a little weird how he, I mean, he doesn't look like he's 90. Is there something more to that? Did something like slow down his aging somehow or rejuvenate him? I, I, I don't know about that.
but then he's he's like oh wow because you know he sees a picture of kai in a footprint uh kate's like you know what is all this anyways and he's like hope dreams ambitions what we wanted monarch to be before they lost their way and he's like look at them now it's like they're chasing you guys instead of monsters so kentara asks if their dad really worked for monarch and Shaw's like well it is your family business and kate's like he knew these things existed you all knew it's like you could have warned people tried to stop it and Shaw's like hey that's exactly what we were trying to do he's like you were there you saw it you really think anything on earth could have stopped it stopped that and she's like, then he threw his life away for nothing. It's not our family business. It's the family curse. And she gets a, gets you know out for some air. Also, it turns out they're, they're like on this freighter ship. You know, there's, there's a bunch of like cars and there's like con containers and everything like that. Then it cuts to Bikini Atoll, 1954. Uh, Shaw, Kai, and Billy, they talk about, you know, getting ready for the research and all, all the stuff. Then they find some soldiers like like on a beach and there's like this big bomb or something like on a uh, like a wooden structure and uh, there's a dude drawing like a it's supposed to be I, i'm assuming it's a godzilla was like a drink it's like well, how would they know what godzilla looked like so i don't know if it's supposed to be like a big dragon creature or something like that um it's it's the the circle the prohibited symbol the ghostbuster symbols whatever you call that no monsters no godzillas billy's like what the hell He's like, and he's like, I told you we couldn't trust that bastard. And Kai's, she gets ready to go raise some hell. But Shaw's like, let me handle this. So he goes up to General. He salutes him. He's like, sir. He's like, this appears to be going in a direction we didn't discuss. And he's like, well, we discussed you needing a large quantity of uranium. And Shaw's like, not in bomb form, sir. He's like, well, you should have been more specific. Shaw's like, you, you could have told us. And General's like, well, that's not how top secret nuclear tests work, son. He's like, I understand, sir. It's like, all we're asking for is a chance to assess what we're dealing with. We don't even know what these things are. He's like, they're an existential threat to global security. Isn't that right? So he's like, what a jerk. And Shaw's like, yes, sir. And General's like, how many stars do you see there? You know, on his on his uniform. He's like, one, sir, which I understand means he had to go through two or three. And he's like, the general motion is higher. He's like, four different levels to get what we asked for he's like and the judgment of all those stars was that if we can lure this thing out into the open we can deal with it here now you know monster no monster the thing that's not going back to los alamos in a crate i realized that this is not what they had in mind but it's bigger than all of us it's like you asked for support of the united states army this is it and Kai and Bill, you can see they're not happy because they, they can see like Shaw's body language, so they know it's it's not going well. Uh, back on the freighter ship, May calls someone, and she's like, "Well, I might not be coming back soon." And, and she's like, "Well, you know, I can't say where." And they're just like talking a little bit. She's like, "Oh, my my time's up." She's like, "I'll call you back," and she throws her phone overboard. So it's like not sure who she's talking to, and Kentaro is like walking up to her. And he's like, "That's bad for the environment." He's like, "The fish eat the plastic, and we eat the fish." She's like, I'll make a donation to Greenpeace. He's like, or you can tell me why you're ditching your phone in the ocean. And she's like, do you need something? He's like, he, sh he Shaw wants to go over the game plan. And she's like, you really trust that old bastard? He's like, well, you don't need to stick your neck out for us any longer. Not if uh, you need to get back. He's like, this is my fault. This is my mess. And she's like, yeah, it's your mess and hers. And you drag me into it. You cost me my business and my home my life everything i built who i am 
He's like, well, I didn't know this was happening. And she's like, yeah, fair enough. But until we sort out your mess and I get back what you cost me, you do not get to tell me what I need. He's just like, okay. So he just turns and walks back. But, I mean, she was into it. She's copying all the files and everything. Shog, you know, they talk to him. He, he kind of goes over his plan. He says he, he greased some wheels, you know, get them over the border. But he says all it takes is one, like, over-eager officer or whatever to find the files so they need to get rid of them. He moves to, like, dump them over. But then Kataro protests. He's like, no. And Kate's like, May has a copy on her laptop. He's, she's like, they're not, like, holy relics. He's like, I don't, I don't care. And the Shah, he's like, why do I have to do everything you say? And why are we going to Korea? My father disappeared in Alaska. Alaska's that way. And he's like, do you have any idea what you're doing? Shaw's like, well, I got us out of Japan, didn't I? Onto this ship, no passport, no monarch in sight. He's like, there's some someone in Pohang we need. He's an old friend of mine. He might be the last friend I have left. But you're right. Hiroshi is your dad and yours to, to Kate. Now you two want to start calling the shots? You got every right. So once we get there, where to? And obviously, Kentaro has like no idea what to do. So he just takes the files, dumps them overboard. In Pohang, uh, South Korea, they go to like this customs building. And Shaw's like, he's like, oh, we're supposed to go in line number two. But then as they're waiting in line, the line one clears out and the, the guy behind the glass like, motions him to come over. And Shaw tries seeing, he's like, he's like, no, 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 you know, we're, we're good here. What he points to number two. But then like an armed soldier like comes up and gets gets in his face. So Shaw goes up to the glass and the, the dude, he's like, passport. And Shaw's like, huh? Passport. And Shaw's like, uh, you speak English? English? And the dude just like stares coldly at him. And he's like, here's the situation. He's like, I got my sister's adopted grandkids with me, right? So we're on that ship. And I told him for safekeeping, we got to put everything in one backpack. So anyways, look, we're, we're not terrorists. And the dude's like... He like whistles to like a guard. He's like, you know, I've never been to the North Korea, so and the guard grabs him pretty hard, and they're like, hey, hey, what? They like take him outside, and Shaw like tries talking. He's like, come on, I was like, I'll make it worth your while. I was like, what do you got to lose? He's like, that's illegal. What is like it's our job or whatever? So they they won't listen. They go to like a, a van, you know, marked custom. I don't know where they're gonna take him, but then uh, you know, he's like, come on, are you sure? Come, on. it's like just be, don't be such an idiot or something like that. And then the guard's like hits him in the gut with like the rifle butt, and then uh, he's like, he, so Shaw kind of goes down. Then he hits the other guard and you know shoves him inside. You know he's inside the door, slams the door shut with him inside, <laughs> and then Shaw's like, haven't you ever heard of pulling your punches? He's like, no, my brother. And they like hug. So this was a guy he knew. So then uh, he's like, we need to get going before someone finds the other dude. And then Shaw like, looks at the kids. He's like, oh, ye of little faith. He's like, come on. So they, they get in a, like a little truck or whatever, and they, they drive off. In Japan, this lady, some lady gets off a monarch private jet. She's greeted by the, the dude and the lady who tried kidnapping Kate. I don't remember if they, they have a name. I don't know what their names are. I don't care. <laughs> um, so this lady on the jet, I'm going to call her Jet Lady, she's not happy to be there because she's supposed to be taking her daughter to her college dorm. She's like, now my ex-husband ex gets to this, you know, the opportunity or the moment, whatever, so the, the lady, she says that some valuable data had been stolen. Has it really been stolen if it was sitting in the safe, if, if, if it was what was washed over? Or if, if what Bill Randa on Skull Island, John Goodman, Bill Randa, threw it into the water 
and then some fisherman found it, and somehow Hiroshi got it. It's not stolen. But she's like, we needed to retrieve it. And the ladies, then she starts talking in, like, I forget what language. I don't know if it was French or some other language. Obviously, the dude doesn't um, understand it because she's like, did he mention that he had no authorization to run this rogue escapade of, of his? And then the, the lady, she's like, I assume. And then she, like, turns to the dude. She's like, the jet lady says, the plane is being refueled and will be ready to leave in 30 minutes. You'll both be on it. And a dude's like, like, oh, you know, we can't leave. We have, uh, they have Bill Randa's files. And Jet Lady's like, 60-year-old field notes and crackpot theories are not going to help us avert another G-Day. And then dude's like, yeah, well, you know, Lee Shaw seems to think otherwise. And he's like, he almost kind of regrets saying that, it seems like. So she walks up to him. And she's like, if you really believed they were so important, why not bring it to Dr. Serizawa or to me? And then the, the lady, like, turns and answers. You know, she gets on her phone. So I don't know who she's talking to. So the jet lady's like, is this about our mission or yours? And so on the phone, she's like, is it confirmed, all of them? So then she's like, Shah's in South Korea. Facial recognition AI flagged him and the others detained by customs in a port of Pohang. Somehow they managed to slip away. So the jet lady says to dude, she's like, you on that plane in 30 and then to the lady, she's like, you get a tactical team and get on Shaw's ass. It's like, whatever you need. And she's like, you know, so the jet lady starts heading towards the plane. Uh, the other, the car lady, she's like, I need my partner. She's like, what if he's right? Shaw's been on ice for years. Why make his move now? If I move quickly, I might be able to get the jump on Shaw, but not without him. No one understands better what Shaw might be up to. You know, why these files are so important to him. You know, crazy knows crazy. So the guy helping Shaw, his name is Duho, Du hyphen Ho. Um, Shaw asks if he got what he asked for, and so they drive to this little hangar. And he's like a bamboo bomber. He's like, I said a jet, you know, Duho, is you know, not an aluminum coffin with wings. He's like, well, everything that could go wrong with her already has. May's like, are we going all the way to Alaska in that? So in the past, on Bikini Atoll, several soldiers are sitting in chairs at the beach they got like you know protective goggles or sunglasses you know whatever shield eye shielding ready it's hot you know they're just waiting um then shah says to kai that if this thing is a no-show uh it's safe to say that they're losing the army's backing and she's like it's better than watching them obliterate something that they don't even understand so they finally start getting a reading of something you know sonar contact and then something can be seen in the ocean, like in a distance, like coming towards him. Billy's like, is that armor? And Shaw's like, you know, what would that need protection from? And Kai's like, us. So the thing starts to rise up. And it's like, wait, is that Godzilla? Uh, you know, I wasn't sure if Godzilla was going to appear in the show because, you know, he's too big of a star. And uh, at this moment, maybe, because the general's like, I'll be damned. And Billy wonders, he's like, you know, how have we never seen anything this size? And Kai says that if they go through with this, how will they ever know? She's like, this is wrong. Shaw goes up to General. He's like, uh, you know, I, I think we should consider standing down. He, he's like, you know, if we can't learn everything we can about the enemy, and General's like, you wait to see if the enemy, what the enemy is going to do, and you've already lost, son. So then Godzilla is out of the water, uh, but he's still a ways away. The General orders detonation signal, so 30 seconds, uh, the countdown starts going down. It, it's like, it goes pretty quickly because it's like, then it's like down to 10. 
Kai is like starts running towards the the radar transmitter dish thing. Shaw like starts running up to it, catches her and you know grabs her, and then she screams like we have to stop it. So Godzilla is like looking right at the bomb on a platform, and then it blows right up in his face. Big bright explosion, and Joe's like magnificent. So Shaw's still like kind of shielding Kai on the ground. She's upset, and then Shaw finally looks outward toward the ocean. Uh, and then, you know, she finally sits up and she looks out and she's like, what have we done? So we don't see what happened. And uh, I I don't know if, if any of this was mentioned in the first Godzilla movie, but maybe, you know, this radiation, this bomb did something to Godzilla to, you know, make him more super. He, does he have a healing factor? <laughs> According to Godzilla minus one, he does. So it was just weird that we don't see anything. It's like, did it blow up his 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 head? Did it do? Did they see anything? Did it just fall back in the water? Uh, then uh, in in the present or whatever future, what you know, to twenty fifteen, Kantaro asks when his dad said, you know, he was at or he he. He's like when you know when he was at a, a software conference, was he really sneaking across borders and chasing monsters? Shaw's like, well, the cowboy days were behind us by by the time Hiroshi came on board. So you know, last time he saw him was like almost twenty years ago, and, and he you know he he took after his mom. You know he he went after whatever he wanted. He never let anything get in his way. He, he never lied to him. And Kate laughs. He's like, this is a secret, Kate, not a lie. And and May says that she's been searching, uh, the you know Alaska, but all that ever comes up is missing dog letters and Yukon Yeti sightings. So Tasha, he's like, you said data driven. Uh, so I did a numerical search to see if I got a hit. And Shaw comes over, you know, looks at her 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 laptop, sees stuff on a screen, and he mentions, uh, you know, there's like stuff that he's like that has Billy's handwriting, and and May's like. These are geo-coordinates from all over the world. Mexico, Asian steppas, North Africa. Everything is checked off except for one. And when she pulls out to, uh, into the map or whatever, then to Kate, um, he's like, if we knew where your father was headed when he disappeared, I could pinpoint this. So she's like, it was flight 74-something, Gnome de Barrow. And he's like, Gnome de Barrow, bingo. So Kentaro's confused. He's like, why Barrow? I don't know where's Barrow. I don't know. So Shaw's like, he was headed um, to Barrow, but that wasn't where he was going. So then in the past, Kai's in, in the hangar alone oh, with the, the big giant footprint, whatever. Billy comes in and asks if she's okay, and she says that you know Shaw shouldn't have stopped her. And Billy's like, well, what if what would have happened if he hadn't? You know, she had been fired, arrested, probably deported. It's like they would have set off that bomb anyways. And she just like shakes her head. Then Shaw shows up. He's like, General called me in to discuss our funding. He's like, I figure since we were going down anyways, might as well shoot for the, for the moon. So I gave him a proposal. A, a string of monarch outposts, extra staff, monitoring, monitoring equipment, the works. He rejected it. He said, we didn't ask for enough. And Billy and Kai look at him. They're like confused. He's like, they're giving us a blank check to find out if there are more of those out there. And Billy's like, how the heck did you pull that off? He's like, well, I asked a simple question. What if the next one doesn't pop up in the middle of the Pacific? What if it's near New York or Washington? 
And then Billy's like, well, we got to tell the whole world. So Shaw's like, you're saying that you want to go public with the details of a classified H-bomb explosion? He's like, why not? And Shaw's like, because they electrocuted Rosenbergs. And Kai's like, what if, say we, we find another one. Does the general need to know everything? And Shaw's like, I'm sorry, are you suggesting that I lie to my superior officer? And she's like, no, a lie and a secret are two different things, which is what Shaw said in, in the future. And she's, he's like, I'm not sure the court-martial tribunal would see that distinction, Kai. And she's like, do you trust us? And he's like thinking, and then Billy's like, do you trust her? So Shaw's like, okay, all that I can tell him is what you tell me. And I trust that you will tell me everything that I need to know. Are you okay with that? And Kai's like, are you? And Billy's like, I'm fine with it. So Shaw just kind of laughs. So in the plane, Kate wakes up. You know, she's like in a co-pilot seat. Duho's, you know, he's flying. He says like, we're in the good old USA now. And he's like, pick up Papa soon. And she has this like look on her face. He's like, uh, what, you're not excited for the reunion? And she's like, what's it to you? Are you like another one of his sons? And then she kind of apologized for like snapping at him or whatever. She says that, you know, she's not sure what she's more afraid of, that they don't find dad or that they do. And, it, you know, it feels like a punch in the gut either way. And he's like, let me tell you a secret. You don't appreciate life so much until you're afraid to lose it. And she's like, not so much when you see other people lose theirs. So Duho's like, I saw many people die. My father, good friends. You get out of bed each morning, you roll the dice. Terrible things may happen, but you shouldn't hide from pain. He's like, look at you. Hide under your covers and never sneak into Korea. Never meet Duho. Never have a chance to tell your papa to go screw himself. Then they hit some turbulence. Controls start, you know, spinners. The dials starts like spinning, whatever. And Shaw's like, he's like, oh, this, this must be it. So whatever hero was after, he thinks that they just found it. So Shaw takes over controls. He's flying the plane. He's like, lock, lock everything down back there. You know, it's going to get bumpy. Kate starts to get up from the co-pilot seats. He like stops her. He's like, no, no, He's like, buckle in. In the back, May yells. She's like, why is he flying? And Duho says, Lee Shaw is the best pilot I know when flying by the seat of the pants. So Shaw tells Kate, Duho usually keeps something under the seat in case of emergencies. She reaches, there's a bottle. It's like, like, is it like vodka or something? Some, some clear liquid. He tells her, he's like, take a shot. Take a big one. So she drinks it, you know, she does it without asking. She's like, it's just water. So Shaw tells her, he's like, okay, put the cap back on and put it right up here, up there where I can see it. So it's pretty smart. He's like, now we got a, I think he said an attitude indicator. So basically they can like level off. So I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's smart. Um, so they're flying through the clouds, whatever. And then there's a big old mountain like right in front of them. So it was like pulling up or anything like that. He's like, there, we can land over there. He's like, it's, it's going to be rough. He's like, hang on. Um, and Kantaro sees something out of his window. He's like, I don't know if it's like a flash of light or something like that. He's like, what was that? But, you know, things are too crazy. No one, I don't even know if anyone heard him. They managed to land. It seems uh, pr pretty smooth, but they're, they comment, it's like so bumpy or whatever. So when they land, Kate starts laughing, and then Shaw joins in and starts laughing. So they walk outside. Luckily, you know, they got jacket parkas, whatever. They come across some plane wreckage scattered about, like under a little bit of snow. They find like the front end of the plane, like the pilot section. They they go, they go look at him. Um, it's not him. So Shaw says the their seatbelts unbuckled. So you know the other one. So maybe he got thrown free. 
a little ways away, like over just a little ridge do hose. He's like, wow. He's like, I'll be a monkey's naked uncle. So there's like this cabin, like this tent over to, over there, over the ridge. So they head towards it. Inside, there's like some cots, there's equipment, there's notes. Kate sees something and Shaw's like, well, if everyone died in a crash, how'd this get set up? Kate picks up a map and she's like, I know that hand, handwriting. Kentaro's like, me too. Then they both see like a nub of a pencil with some pencil shavings. So then uh, she's like, he survived. And Kentaro and Kate, they kind of like lightly hug each other. Duho looks outside at the wreckage and he finds like a rope attached to something. Um, so at first I was like, what is this? So I guess, you know, they, they kind of tied on the plane. And so he's like, oh, it landed safely. So it's like that. At first I was confused because the plane's wrecked. We saw the pilot there. The pilot's dead. But it's like, why is the plane tied down? So then he goes to this other part of the plane. He looks inside and then he yells. He's like, we go now. So like on the other side of the plane, there's big slash marks like on, on the hull from like giant claws. So Duho starts running to the plane and he tells like, come quick. I'm going to, I'm going to tax, start taxing. So he unhooks the plane because, you know, so that that's where you see that the, that's what those ropes are for. And he starts taxing the plane, but then the, the ground starts, starts rumbling, cracking this giant, like, spiky, sort of, like, armadillo-type creature busts out of the ground, smashes a wing in, like, the engine of the plane, claws at the cockpit, like, kind of hits the glass. Duho keeps trying to, to move the plane. You know, he's still, still trying to fly it or, or, you know, taxi it down. Then the creature's, like, in, in the front of the plane, and its mouth, it's got this weird kind of mouth, kind of opens up, like, ah, must be, like, some sort of freeze breath or something like that. And then immediately he's like, you see like the seat next to it starts like freezing over and things like that. Duho can only watch as it comes over. He's like completely frozen. Just takes some, he's gone. And then the, the creature like smashes down on the plane. That's where it ends. So that's the third episode. If you are caught up, don't spoil it for me. Because uh, I think I think five episodes are out now. So, like I said, we'll we'll get caught up one of these weeks. I'll I'll like double down or do something like that. So, uh, but like I said, I'm 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 enjoying this and it's 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 pretty quality. And Doctor Who's uh, special number two, Wild Blue Yonder. Okay, so what did I did I like this episode? You know, I'm I'm really not sure. I did, you know, I, and mainly because it's it's David Tennant. I, I just think he's such an amazing doctor. He's just—he's just so good. Just his presence, his energy, just his mannerisms, just like everything. The story was kind of weird. W one thing that that is of note that he's—he's he's not just playing the same doctor as before. You know, there, there's other little things, and I don't know if it's just from being Jody Whittaker doctor. You know, because there, there's a little bit more about his emotions. You know, that that's coming out because he, he said something. I forget if it's this episode or another one. Uh, but then, you know, he's, he, he says like, oh, I love you or I love this or what. And he's like, oh, do I, do I say that now? And there's, there's something that he did say something about, about a, a guy, which we'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's, um, so it's interesting that, you know, they're, they're tweaking things a little bit. So rather than just saying, oh yeah, we're just going to write David Tennant, Doctor Who again. But it's like, no, it's, it's not that. So I, so I kind of like that. This episode was kind of weird. It was very interesting because it, it gets kind of dark <laughs> to to a certain you know degree it's just like wait where's this going things get yeah let's just get get to it and we can talk at the end so it starts off i didn't like this beginning part i'm like okay what what is why why and where what is this for is like and something happened well 
Okay, so it starts off in England, 1666. We see this big dude. He's all dressed up. He comes out of his house, and he, you know, there's like oh, some lady like sweeping or doing something. And he's like, oh, it's a fine day. I'm going to go sit by yonder apple tree and ponder the things about life or you know something like that. So he, he's sitting on a tree, which I always think is weird because I, you know, I have an apple tree. It's always The, the ground is always kind of wet. Maybe a little muddy. You know, there's not as much grass there because of the, the, the trees. You know, the, the, there's not sunlight necessarily. So he's sitting there in his fancy clothes. It's like, what, whatever. <laughs> so as he's sitting there, an apple falls on his head. Hmm, who could this possibly be? Maybe. It's not what I expected him to look like. But then, he, he, you know, if the apple hits him, he's like, of course. And then the TARDIS comes flying, whoosh, like spinning around, comes crashing into, you know, hits a tree, and pretty much the rest of all the apples fall. He gets up like screaming, literally screaming. And then he, you know, he looks back, looks at the tree, at the top of the tree, the TARDIS is there, sitting there. And then they, they open the door and just like casually like like oh don't worry and you know explain down is spilled coffee on a console it's 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 a time machine so it's weird there, there's a few things that's weird one they're messing with time because like they're, they're showing you know exposing themselves and whatever it's like this guy's gonna freak out like wh- what's going what's he gonna say what's he gonna do it's also weird that donna took took the blame i mean it was her fault she did like move ca- her hands or whatever and just spilled the coffee it's like who does that when you got hot coffee he's like you, you should be aware of it um so the doctor's like oh she's like i just need to know the year so we can triangulate things and the dude who's got to be isaac newton he says it's 1666 and the doctor's like oh mm. and he's like stay away from london again no concerns about mucking up time or whatever like that then he's like this part <laughs> see this, this is part of bother the rest of the episode is, is is pretty good but he's like wait a minute apple tree apple man holding an apple 1666 he's like are you sir isaac newton because apparently he's the only man in the entire world to hold an apple during the year 1666 right it's just and of all the places for tardis go all the people it's going to happen to land in 1666 it happens to go by isaac newton right so then um he's like sir isaac and he's like oh not yet he's like spoilers he's like then he he she's like do you have the control set the famous which okay you know it's kind of like what i'm talking about and he's like if i had controls thank you and and then she's like uh but you mr isaac newton you can and he's like don't do it she's like you can don't do it appreciate then they're both like the gravity of the situation and and then then there's like a little explosion inside sorry gotta go bye tardis starts spinning away and he's like, what was that delightful word? Shavity? Cavity? <gasps> Mavity. So they just messed up time. Now, when it, with this, I was like, wait, he's so he's going to call it Mavity instead of Gravity? My immediate thought was Rick and Morty, which I haven't been um, catching up on. Uh, where where they landed on, on a, they were in a, a world where instead of Parmesan, they said Parmesan or something like that. And and then they're like, well, we're just going to have to live with that, even though it was like annoying or something like that. But then this past season, Summer said, par- like, oh, pa- the spaghetti episode, they're like, pass the Parmesan. And it was just like this like little tiny 
if you want to call it an Easter egg or whatever, it's like, well, they're still in that world where no one says Parmesan. So it's like, is that what they're trying to do here? Is like they just change it so there's no more gravity. It's now it's Mavity. Uh, so the TARDIS, or what we see before the TARDIS there, we, it looks like a typical like spaceship storage room or something like that. It's just like metal room or something like that. The TARDIS comes spinning in, boom, smashes into the wall. Like literally, like puts a dent in in, in those metal spaceship wall. So it's a like, good thing no one was standing there. Donna comes out and she's like, "I am never ever." And then he's like, "Out of the way!" And he like jumps out, pulls her down. Whoosh! Big stream of flame shoots out of the TARDIS. So <laughs> good thing there is no one standing in the front either, or anything flammable. The doors automatically close, and she's like, "Is it all right? Is it broken? Is it knackered?" Doctor opens the door. He kind of looks inside. We don't see what's in there, but there's like smoke and hissing and he, he kind of groans. And Don is like, is it bad? He's like, oh, he groans again. He's like, it was brand new. And she's like, sorry. And he like spins to her. He's like, not your fault. And she's like, yes, it was. But can we fly? Can you fix it? Can we get back home? He's like, we can do anything. He's like, sonic screwdriver and non-sonic screwdriver. And he, he has both of them. She's like, I think a non-sonic screwdriver is just called a screwdriver. He's like, if I could just reconfigure, because uh, this old box can regenerate itself, if I can just click it in, into gear. So he's sticking the, the screwdriver like by the, the keyhole, uh, you know, outside the door. And Donna's like, uh, am, am I going mad or did the TARDIS play wide blue yonder? And he's like, yeah, it did, didn't it? And she's like, What's, what for? He's like, uh, I, I wonder. And she said that in... Uh, her, her, they they sang that song in her choir in primary school. Gramps didn't like it because he says it sounds like all, all jaunty and fun, but it's not. It's a military song going to war, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, it's an air force." He's like, "The worlds are wild blue yonder," because she said "wild blue yonder," which means uh, the TARDIS played us a war song there. And then he popped like the lock off, and he sticks the sonic the sonic screwdriver in a hole, and he's like, "It can rebuild." And then there's like kind of some clanking from inside, and the, the TARDIS is like groaning. And then finally, the light at the, the top turns on. The doctor's like, It's mending. We just need to give it some time. And, and then so she's like, Now I wonder where we are. She's like, Feels like a spaceship. Let's just see. They open the door to the room, and it's like this huge hallway. And then they see like something or some, something or someone way down the hall. It's like, I couldn't see what, anything. And a doctor yells out. It's like, hello, we just landed by accident. Hope that's okay. And it's like, so wait, Don is like, is that a person or a thing? He's like, we could take a look. And she kind of like scoffs. She's like, or we could stay here, wait for the TARDIS to mend itself so I can get back home. It's like, my family's waiting for me. He's like, hmm? And she's like, still, where are, where are we? You know, it could be worse. We've got air. We've got lights. We've, we've got Mavity. And he's like, yeah. So Donna said Mavity. And the doctor didn't even correct her. So I was like, I don't, wouldn't he notice? I don't know. So uh, it seems like something's spying on them. Because as they're walking down the hallway, there's it's like all kind of like metal in different sections or whatever. But there's like something on the other side of the wall that's like looking at them. But we don't see anything. Uh, then she's like, was it me or was Isaac Newton hot? And the doctor's like, he was, wasn't he? He was so hot. And he's like, oh, is that who I am now? So, again, minor change in the doctor. I don't, I don't know what that means. Does it mean... Because, I mean, the doctor... is What would we consider him asexual? I mean, the doctor doesn't get involved. The doctor was married to Romana, wasn't he? 
Were they married? Now, see, now I'm starting to second guess. I, I, anyways, it always, I always felt like there was feelings between the doctor and Rose. Was there? Was it just a fondness, a friendship? Because um, you know Don is his best friend, as, as he calls it. So there's no romance there. You know, they absolutely none. So is a doctor bisexual now? Is you know he was just a woman? Is he gay now? Or is there anything? Because a doctor never goes on dates. Doesn't he's not interested in that. He's and he's too busy. He doesn't have time for that. But anyways, <laughs> so he's like, is that who I am now? And Don is like, well, it was never that far from the surface, mate. She's like, I always thought, and it's like. I, I don't know about that. It's, you know, the whole thing is like, it's like, oh, are they gay or are they British? But it's like, no, whatever. So then the TARDIS starts worrying. So they run back and they see the TARDIS disappear. And there's just like a, a dent in the wall from the impact. And she's like, you can get it back, right? And she, he doesn't say anything. She's like, doctor, you can get it back, right? Doctor, you can get the TARDIS back. Can't you uh, use the Sonic? He's like, it was in the keyhole. She's like, but... You could whistle. You could snap your fingers. You can summon it. Just just use that stupid head of yours and get it back. And, and she's like, oh, don't look at me like that. It's your fault. I said, let's stay here. But you had to wander off. And he's like, you wandered with me. And she's like, oh, like I could stop you. And he's like, you spilled a cup. He's like, sorry. And he just kind of glare at each other. And she's like, oh, my God, where are we? So he, he goes to her she's she's kind of whimpering she's like rose is waiting he's like i will get you home and she's like how she's like there's one hope a mechanism on board a tardis called i think it was that the hads um hostile wait ho- hostile action displacement system yeah hats hostile action displacement systems if the tardis is in danger it goes away and as they're talking someone's like listening to their you know their, their voices are carrying through the vent so it's like who's spying on them and she's like, you know, where? Where would it go? He's like, anywhere. And it only comes back once in danger is gone. He's like, I turned it off years ago. I, I mean, you know, I never, I'd never land anywhere. You know, he's like, you know, once spent three years in orbit. I thought, oh, hmm, turn off the hats. But if the TARDIS is rebuilding itself, maybe it clicked back on. She's like, but that means we've landed in the middle of a hostile action. And he's like, yeah. So there's, you know, something on, she's like, there's something on the ship that's so bad, the TARDIS ran away. He's like, yes. She's like, then we go and kick its arse. So she goes back out in the hall. They're still being watched by someone, something. She talks about Mrs. Bean, head of the choir and and the the, the song, you know, because she said it was jolly. You know, it's not about war. And then an alarm goes off and it's like, fence law. And then the walls kind of undulate. They're like things are are, are like kind of moving and switching and flipping. And she's like, "What was that?" And the doctor's like, "He's like circuits moving or reconfiguring to become." Don's like, "What was the word? Fence law? What's that mean?" He's like, "I don't know." The TARDIS translates, but now it's gone. And she's like, "No, the TARDIS translates for me. I thought you knew twenty-seven million languages." And the doctor's like, "I know fifty-seven billion two hundred and five, but not this one, unless." That was Mr. Fenslaw saying his name. And she's like, it wasn't that. He's like, it wasn't that. Uh, and then she's like, Jimbo didn't move because they're, they're talking. There's like the, the person that they talk about down the hall. They're, they call him. I think, I don't know if John, Donna said Jimbo first. Someone said Jimbo. So they're like, you know, Jimbo didn't move. They're like, she's like, what, what is that? And he's like, wait a minute. If I'm right, he steps on the floor panel and out pops up a little hover car. So I don't know how he knew, like, right in that, that part to stop, that tile. They get in the, the hover car. It's almost like a golf cart, but, like, hover car. 
They start driving. And he's like, oh, it's a robot. Hello, Jimbo. It has this big round head. Um, kind of, kind of big, you know, kind of roundish upper torso. Just a slight rust on it. Maybe has like three eyes, two long arms. It doesn't move. It's just, it's just standing there. And he's like, "Can you talk? Basic communication, fence law." He like knocks on the head. So he's not sure if someone's watching. You know, through the, the monitor, the thing, whatever on on the, the head. He says he's a, he's a doctor. This is Donna. They need help. Then it takes like a step forward, and she's like, "Is that it?" And the doctor's like, "One step at a time." She's like, maybe it's an invader. Maybe that's the hostile action. He's like, I think it's just old. It's it's primitive. If you don't mind me saying so, Jimbo, someone uh, brought a very old robot out of storage to walk very slowly down a very long corridor. He's like, why? She's like, maybe time slowed down. He's like, no. He's like, I'd feel it in my, in, I'd feel it in me bones. <laughs> so they're going to move on. Donna insists on driving. And they drive, 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 get to the end of the corridor. There's like a door. So they go in there. No one's in there. Donna says that they're definitely in space because you, you can see out the, out the front. And the doctor's like, we've got a chair. It's like, that's a good sign. It's a sign, uh, you know, it's a life form with a bum. If I can translate their basic one to 10, I can find out where we are and when and why. So he sits there he, and he figures it up. He looks up like life signs, computer words, none. So it's just an empty chair. He's, he's, she's like, where'd they all go? Spaceship seems to have powered down, basic functions ticking over. He's like, oh, someone opened an airlock door three years ago, and then it closed. She's like, the ship's been empty for three years? He's like, those numbers are, are, are cameras like, like a drone. We can see where we are. So he sends a drone out into space, and they can see it's definitely a spaceship. It's very, very long. Donna's like, what kind? He's like, don't know. Then there's a light in front of them, and it's like, wait, is someone approaching? Doctor goes up and like waves, or, or maybe that was a, the drone. So then she's like, well, if, if we're in space, there are no stars. Where are the stars? And the doctor's like, we could be inside a dust cloud or a Mavity well. So he said Mavity also. Or, oh, and she's like, what? He's like, no, no, it, it's fine. The ship is, is, is lost. It fell through a wormhole, and she's like, ended up where? He's like, I'm sorry, Donna. It's like the TARDIS was out of control. It's taken us to the edge of the universe. And then she's like, So what's out there? And he um, tries acting like his usual excited self. He's like, Well, that's uh, difficult for you because if the universe is everything, then the concept of an everything having an edge is mm, kind of impossible. But that's the language of 21st century Earth, and you don't know anything yet. Uh, uh, you know, not being rude. Uh, so you just don't know, uh, you know, when you when you discover Cambulian fiat uh, mathematics, you'll discover it's possible. And she's like, what? He's like, that, the, the nothing at the edge of creation, absolute nothingness. She's like, but starlight travels? You can stand in my garden, look at the light from stars billions of miles away. So where is the light? And he's like, over there. It just hasn't reached us yet. If, if we flew in that direction, it would take uh, 100 trillion years to reach your house. And she's like, that's my family over there. And he's like, I've never been this far out unprotected. He's like, no one ever has until us. So Donna mentions the airlock door opening three years ago. Then, then it's big metal clang sounds. So they, they run to the hallway. The doctor thinks that the ship is just settling. But Donna asks if he's certain that there's no sign of life. And then the voice is like, Colas. And then the hallway, 
starts undulating again, whatever. Support beams, things are moving, like kind of beams like up and down. The robot takes another step and doctor says the two words like Fensla, Colis. He's like, it's like a list or, you know, or solicitors or a countdown or instructions. And Donna says, or warning, you know, and he's like, slow warning. So they go back in the room and they, they go to the right. You know, there's this other room. There's a room with a base place repetition filaments. He opens a drawer and he takes a, like, I guess a filament out. It's just like a rectangle thing or whatever. And, and she's like, is that stuff dangerous? He's like, no, I don't think so. And he like sniffs it, sniffs it again. Then he sticks his tongue on it, which kind of grosses Don out. He's like, he kind of tastes it. And then confidently he's like, it's like, no. Then um, he starts gagging and he like falls back. He's like, no. And it, then Don is like freaking out, you know, catching him, whatever. Then he's just joking. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. I say, I don't think the other David Tennant doctor would, would have necessarily done something like that. Maybe, but no, I don't think so. So he says, he tells her just to move the rectangles from one drawer, to, you know, up to the other. And he says that, you know, the ship is just idling. So they need to power it up. And he starts to go off and Don is like, don't leave me alone. And he says that they're all alone in the ship. And and she's like, hostile action, remember? Cling, there's a metal clang. And and she's like, and what's that? He's like, a noise. And she's like, oh, well, you're very helpful. So she's like, go in and hurry back. He's like, well, I need to find a spindle. So he goes across, like, so from the main room, because they went to the right. So he goes across to, like, to the left. And he's like, can you still hear me? And she's like, no. So she's, you know, moving some things. Lights flicker, like, from... I don't know if it's from her. The doctor, there's like these tubes and I don't know if there's water because he's like kind of clicking on them or whatever. So the lights kind of flicker a bit. I don't know if it's from the doctor or her. And then she sees her breath for like a second, like it got colder. And then, then the doctor comes back and she wonders like, you know, how long will her family wait there in that alley, you know, waiting for the TARDIS to come back? And she's like, what if we never do? And then, you know, time will pass and Rose will grow up and she'll have a life. And, you know, she might go back to the alley for old time's sake, but she'll she'll move on. You know, she's like, not Sean, though. You know, he'll he'll keep going back every single day. You know, he's nice. He's lovely. She's like, I hope you get to know him. And the doctor's like, I hope so, too. But then it's like, wait a minute. You know, so the doctor's there and she's, he's like, I hope so, too. The doctor's still in the other room fiddling with the the, the, the tubes with, with the water. So it's like, wait, what? what? He sees his breath. And then Donna walks in and the doctor's like, it's getting cold. He's like, hope I haven't turned the heating off by mistake. And, and he's like, that was fast. And she's like, I did what you said. But then in the other room, the doctor asks, and Wolf is like, your grandfather, what would he do? So Donna's like, oh, him, he would in- install himself with a sleeping bag and a thermos. And he would sit there forever calling you everything. And then he's like, such a lovely man. I'd love to see him again. On the other side, with the, the, what I'm assuming is a doctor, he's like, it's funny, because I, I wonder where the TARDIS goes at random. Maybe it lands on some outcrop by the sea, and there's a tribe, and they worship it for a 100 years, and they grow up, and they try to burn it, and then they grow wise, and they try to preserve it, and then they build a city wall around it, and he just goes on or whatever. He's like, she's the only thing I've got left. And then Donna's like, do you miss home, Gallifrey? And it's, so it's got to be Donna. He knows about Gallifrey, right? But wait, how? Then the doctor's like, I suppose, I mean, yes, but that got complicated. You know, it's it's the least of our problems now. So then um, Donna asks if the fake doctor thinks that they have a kitchen in this place. And, and then the doctor's like, my arms are too long. And because then Donna, so they're just on the filament site. Donna's like, I skipped dinner last night because of you and the meep. 
And so that's why I like that, that you know, it's it's almost like action, 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 you know, adventure, adventure, adventure. So then he's like, oh, we get hungry, don't we? It's like, wait, what does that mean? So that what I'm assuming is a real doctor. He's like, he says it's strange. He's like, this system should be swimming by now. You know, those rectangles. Did you move all those them up? And Don is like, my arms are too long, which is what the other doctor said. He's like, could you pop back and finish it? And Don is like, my arms are too long. He's like, okay, uh, you all right? My arms are too long. Look. And they really are too long. She holds up her, her left, and then it, it just, not like that, but it just thunk, f- falls on the ground. He's like, it's okay, I'm here. I, I've got you. Whatever this is, we can't. Are you Donna? In Donna's room, she can um, hear, Donna, Donna, are you there? And she looks at the fake doctor, and she's like, how are you? Then she sees he has super like long and thick arms, just like going to the floor. And he's like, I don't know why, but the arms are so very difficult. She runs out, and she meets, um, hopefully, the real doctor, like, in the middle of the two corridors or two rooms or whatever. And she's like, what are they? He's like, they're us. And then the other two come out. So the fake doctor is dragging both arms. And the, so the fake doctor says, the notion of shape is strange. And then the fake Donna is like, it limits. It is limiting. So then the doctor says that they can take whatever shape they want. That's fine. He introduces them. And he's like, you know, if you could just get those bodies to calm down, then we can talk. So the fake doctor says that once he figures out the arms, uh, but but then he has a problem with the jaw. So then it droops down. Fake Donna says that um, it's it's the knees. She's like, how many knees? And the fake doctor's like, two. She's like, in total or two on each leg? So then her legs are like all weird. The doctor has asked, asked where did they come from? Um, you know, they're not part of the ship, are they? Did, you know, did they come from outside? And the fake Donna, or not Donna, whatever, says that we came from the nothing. And the uh, uh, fake doctor says, we are not things, but you are nothings. And the doctor's like, oh, I think you'll find we're something. They go out, they hop in the hover car and they drive. Donna sees that they're following them and they're like growing. They're getting like bigger in, in the hallway. So the doctor tries going faster. Uh, fake doctor's hands so large that he can reach out and he's holding on the back, the entire back of the, of the car. Donna like grabs a metal rod and, and she tries like hitting the hand so it lets go. Um, it does. And then they gun forward a little bit, but then they bump into the sidewall. Fake Donna is like swats at them as, as they, they start spinning. And then while they're spinning, the steering wheel comes off. So then the, the two fakes have gotten so big that they're like, taking up like the entire corridor. And then they kind of get like stuck and they're tangled up and the, the car kind of sputters to its stop. So they uh, they must have come in when the, the airlock was open and the doctor says that the no things, you know, she's like, no things, no control of, of shape, no concept of shape or size. And, you know, Don's like, you know, how can they get bigger? Because, you know, you can only get a certain amount of mass, don't you? And she's like, Sean, <laughs> I do love this part. Um, Sean's like one of my favorite characters now because she says Sean used to complain about that watching the Venom films (laughs) because he's like where's that extra mask come from (laughs) and I always thought that too it's like how the heck is Venom like huge like where where? how and the whole head and the teeth I don't understand the physics it's like it's so weird Um, and then the doctor's like it got colder heat into mass 
but they're not just physical copies. There are thoughts, you know, you know too. Um, that other Donna, she mentioned Gallifrey. And then the other doctor said Wilf. So then fake Donna's hands like flops down. And so there's like, he's like, they're starting to get free. You know, we could reason with them, try to make peace, you know, welcome them to our, our side of the universe. And a, a no thing roars. And, and then doctor's like, maybe later. So then the doctor sees this vent is open up high and they start climbing the wall. And then voice is like, rate or something like that. I think it was right. And then um, he's like, oh, not now. The walls start moving. And then the section with Donna um, slides across uh, the corridor, like goes all the way down. The doctor section kind of like flips around to the other side. And then Donna's piece goes flat because, you know, she's there's like some like hand grips kind of whatever thing things can hold on to. So she slides down. There's an opening beneath that. And the doctor yells from the other side. He's like, I'll find you. And, and then so they're both in like these like dark corridors behind like the main hall, like on the other side. And Donna hears like some steps behind her or something, but then they stop when she stops and this door like loudly like shuts behind her. So she's like kind of freaking out now. They're both uh, walking, the doctor encounters some cold and then they both enter this big room and it, but it happens twice. So they, they seem cautious, aware of each other. And then the doctor says that it got cold and Donna says it got cold for her too. And then she's, um, she says like, she's like, look, I'm me. I swear I'm, I'm really me. And the doctor's like, well, so am I, you know, that's not going to work. Cause you know, they can, either one can say that. And then he's like, how many hearts do I have? And she's like two, but that won't work either. And the other room, uh, Donna's holding out her arm. She's like, look, I can, I can stretch. My arm's not too long. And she's like, I'm, I'm trying. And you know, that's, that's all I got. And the doctor's like, well, if you were them, you pretend that you couldn't, like, you know, stretch. So then he takes off his tie and says something about how that'll prove it's him. Because if he shows up with it on later on or something like that, then that's obviously the other one. They keep going on. Um, then they ask, you know, where are you from? And the doctor says that all four know where he's from because, you know, he just said Gallifrey. And Don is like, except it's not. And he's like, what do you mean? She's like, you don't know where you're from. And then the doctor's like, this is where things get like kind of serious. He's like, how do you know that? How does anyone know? How, do, how does Donna know? And Donna's like, back on Earth, when I was a Dr. Donna, I saw your mind. I've had 15 years without you, and I saw everything that's happened to you since. And, oh, my God, it hurt. And, and he kind of starts backing away a little bit. And he's like, you're saying this to break me down. She's like, we haven't stopped to talk. We haven't had a chance. It's always like that with you, running from, from one thing to the next. But I saw it in, in our head, the flux. And he's like, it destroyed half the universe because of me. We stand here now on the edge of creation, a creation which I devastated. So yes, I keep running. Of, of course I do. How am I supposed to look back on that? And she's like, it wasn't your fault. And he's like, I know. And, he's, and she's like, I'm sorry. And, and he's, his breath is, he's breathing kind of shakily. And he's like, Donna, is that you? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, all those years, I've missed you. So they walk towards each other to hug. But then Donna's legs start <laughs> turning into a puddle. And she groans. Oh, I just couldn't keep it together. You are so amazing. He's like, we stare at the universe so far away, but you two have owned it. You're such a prize. What are you? And he just like runs out. 
the other, so the real Donna, she's talking about where she was born and everything, you know, they went to, I think they're going to her aunt's house and her mom was pregnant and went to labor or something like that. She goes on explaining things uh, in a, like elaborate detail about her family. So she says, you know, that proves who she is because, you know, you can copy her memories, but no one can understand her family like her. Then she's like, you know, what happened to your tie? And she's like, it's not on the floor. And he's like, oh, I see when something is gone, it keeps existing. And he kind of laughs and he leans back. He, to, as he's laughing, he leans back so far, his head pops up between his legs, like all the way around. And he starts babbling about her parents and her aunt. So, and he's like, why does he travel with someone as stupid as you? And he starts like walking in circles, like on his hands and feet, like leaning backwards. He's like, Donna, 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 Donna. And she runs out of room into the dark corridor, corridor calling the doctor. So then he's in a dark corridor too. He stops. He like hits a wall and again and he repeats and he screams, kicks it several times and runs. Donna hears an automated voice say, Gilvane or something like that. Robot takes another step. Then the doctor opens the door. Then they all open the door. So all four of them are in the same room. And Donna's like, this is all a nightmare. But she's like, but I, I look good. And the other's like, she's like, oh yeah, I can't argue. And the doctor's like, I want to talk to you. You, you, not doctor. I know you're a fake. I know for a fact. So I want to know why are you doing this? And the other one's like, that's what I was going to say. And then the, the first one's like, well, you should have been faster because that's me, isn't it? Fast. Am I fast? Do I talk fast? Yes. The other one's like, but you're a copy of me. You're only fast because I am. And then a, a, one of Don is like, oh, well, it's like, I can't follow any of this. And the other's like, and that is proof because let's not pretend I'm the stupid one. And the doctor's like, you think you're stupid? And Donna's like, of course I do. And the doctor's like, that's very Donna. And then the other one's like, that's so Donna. That's my Donna. And then the first doctor's like, except Donna does not think she's stupid. No, Donna thinks she's stupid. And sometimes she thinks she's brilliant. She thinks she's both because that's the astonishing thing about people from our, from her planet. They can believe two completely different things at exactly the same time. And she's like, brain box, doctor. And he's like, doctor, earth girl, or something like that. They hug. So they now they know who's who. The others start getting taller. And a doctor pulls out like salt, like a salt shaker. And he's like, you can't cross the salt. He's like, in our universe, it is said that vampires, demons, and ghosts cannot cross a line of salt until they've counted every single grain. He's like, you've got no choice. The no doctor says that's a superstition and uh, no donna the fake donna says doesn't mean it's true and the, the real doctor i guess says it's a superstition and it's true two things at once so fake doctor says you're lying and then doctor's like then walk towards me and you know so and then donna's like what's it going to be donna you know cross the line or count so she stares, the, the no Donna stares, and then she gets down on all fours and, and her knees, she starts counting. So then the doctor's like, so tell me, what do you want? No doctor's like, you tell us. So then the doctor's like, it didn't get cold this time, which means you're uh, acclimate, acclimating, is like, are you stabilizing? And then uh, Donna's like, they're becoming us so properly. And doctor's like, I just wonder why. And she's like, because the TARDIS will come back for us. They know that. So if they become completely us, the TARDIS will come back for them. And the doctor's like, is that what you want? Escape? No doctor says, we drifted in here 
in the lack of light, passing no time, but we could feel it from so far away. Your noisy, boiling universe. We want to travel there to play our or to play your vicious games and win. And then the doctor's like, and what's made you so bad? No doctor says, the things we felt, they shaped us. We could hear your lives of war and blood and fury and hate. Donna's like, we are more than that. And then no Donna says, love letters don't travel very far and neither do your lies. And then she blows away the salt. She clears a path and they both smile showing like really messed up teeth and they start growling. The real ones like back away to the wall behind them and the voice is like stunned. And then the wall opens behind them with them on it. And Donna's like, that was lucky. But then it turns back <laughs> as the no things are like leaving the room. So they turn back. Um, the real ones run. They end up in the cockpit and then doctor closes like this glass panel. And Donna says that, you know, she doesn't understand, you know, wh what are they scaring them for? And doctor's like, problem is, 10 minutes ago, they'd have ripped that door off its hinges. Now they're just standing there looking, you know, into, you know, like locking into shape, like they're almost complete. She's like, but if you listen to my question, why are they making us so scared? You know, if they want to copy us, why don't they just sit in the corner and do it? Why terrorize us? And doctor's like, that's a very good question. And she's like, yes, I'm brilliant. <laughs> and doctor's like, why provoke us unless that's how it's done? The more scared we are, the more the blood pumps, hypothalamus, adrenaline, you know, we think faster and faster and faster. And she's like, it makes us easy to copy. It's like, so how do we stop them? And he's like, Donna, stop thinking. And she's like, stop mumbling. And then they just like stand there. And Donna's like, how long? And doctor's like, that's a flaw in the plan. And then the no doctor's like, how can you not think on a ship full of questions? Why are the empty chair? And Donna's, the no Donna's like, why do the walls keep moving? No doctor's like, what are the w words in the air? No Donna's like, why did the airlock open and close three years ago? And uh, so the, the reels are you know trying to ignore them. And then there's another loud clang. And no doctor's like, and what is that? So Donna's like, doctor, stop thinking. And he's like, let me think, let me think. And then the other one's like, think, think, think. So the doctor opens this like skylight thing. He sees a, a body out in space in a suit, um, like uh, with on a tether. Uh, you know, the airline, there's, there's no helmet. And he's like, the captain of the ship, circling round and round forever. Maybe it wasn't on a tether. The tether was like broke or something like that. He's like, so circling round, caught in the um, gravity field. And she's like, caught in a what? And the doctor's like, mavity field. So he said gravity, but then he changed it to mavity. And she's like, but why? Did they throw him out, her out, them out? And doctor's like, her. And he's like, I wonder. And then to the, the not things, why is the captain outside? Why is she in a spacesuit with no helmet? And why don't you know? And he's like, I know my expressions very well, and you don't know. He's like, the captain did something you don't understand, but what? And then they're like, tell us, tell us, tell us. And then the doctor says, the real doctor says, the real Donna, he's like, they don't know. They really don't know. Uh, the, the questions aren't a test. They need the answers. It's like, we're all stuck in a system because of the captain. And Donna's like, well, if they want the answers, don't tell them. And he's like, well, you know what my head's like? She's like, if they don't know why the captain's outside, the airlock door, um, you know, three years ago, wasn't them coming in. That was her going out. So she killed herself. And then they're like, but what for? And, you know, she hit her thoughts, so we, we couldn't see. The doctor gets an idea. Maximize 
uh, autonomic brain function. He's like, oh, well done, Captain. She knew that if you two found a ship and ever reached the universe, you'd run right across the stars, and you're already becoming copies of the Captain. You'd have owned a spaceship. If you had copied her perfectly, you could have flown the ship home and started your war. So she ended her life to hide whatever it is that she left behind, because when she died, you hadn't completed her. So you lost everything she knew, gone. And the voice like, Ratico, and no things are smiling. More banging and whirring. Uh, the shutter overhead closes. Robot takes another step and raises his hand. And the doctor's like, the captain, calm as Zen, or as calm as a Zen master, set something into motion to stop those two. And she took her own life, so they couldn't work out what she'd done. And then the no doctor, not doctor, says, but you're working it out now. And the doctor's like, no, I'm not. Mm-mm-mm. And they're like, yes, you are, and so am I. It's all about slow. We don't understand the slow. So the captain set out to do it slowly, to slowly stop us. So the ship is slow. The robot is slow. The words are slow. Is that it? And doctor's like, nope. No doctor says, the words move the walls. So the ship is slowly reconfiguring to become a very slow bomb. And doctor's like, bomb? And Donna's like, what? So not doctor says, the captain said, a self-destruct, and the words are very slow countdown. And the doctor's like, I said so. I said countdown straight away. It's that simple. I translated numbers. I'd never heard them out loud. Fenslaw, colas, great, means 10, 9, 8. And the not doctor's like, the robot. And then they, they move to head out. Doctor closes their door from his side. So not doctor's like, we're as clever as, as you that robot won't stop us. So they start fiddling with the controls. And then to Donna, the doctor's like, the robot is a trigger, the primitive mechanical brain that those two couldn't read, taking three long years to walk down a very long corridor with one slow instruction. Kaboom. You know, right now we're on five. It's been counting down for years, but the TARDIS brought us here just in time for the final sequence. We can't let them reach that robot. There's only one way we can stop them. I'm sorry, Donna, but the countdown needs to speed up. And he hits a button. Bandine alarm sounds. He, that's four. So the the no things get the door open, and then the voice counts down three. The robot's fingers raised to like a control panel. They're all like running. The no thing uh, Donna decides to turn and snarl, attacks them. The real doctor just tosses her aside, keeps running after the no no thing doctor. Then no thing Donna tackles Donna. Donna says that this is therapeutic. Slugs her. Two is counted down. The doctor's almost reached the no-thing doctor, but then it starts running in all four and gets like a bigger lead. And then um, he stops. The button is exposed. The doctor thinks, but if he runs out of time, the hostile action ends and a a time machine would know. The TARDIS starts whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. You hear Wild Blue Yonder is, is playing. He pulls out the sonic screwdriver once the TARDIS is there. Um, he enters uh, partially. He is kind of pushing it like like a skateboard, like towards Donna, and then he has to figure out which is the real one. So then he's like, um, "Who's headed to choir?" They both know, Mrs. Bean. He's like, "Why is Mrs. Bean funny?" So one's like, "Because it's the name of a vegetable given to a woman," and the other's like, "It just is." Doctor reaches towards the second one, and then uh, closes the door, hits some buttons at the console. 
And then the other one's like, doctor, come back. She's not me. I'm here. You've got the wrong one. And the other one inside is kind of smiling. So it's like, wait, did he get the wrong one? And outside, the Donna's like, don't leave me here. Countdown reaches zero. Fake doctor's still running. The lights go blue, and then the whirring stops. Robot pushes the button. The ship starts to explode, like a chain reaction, like down the whole big, long thing. The no-thing doctor's engulfed in flames. Donna's standing, watching the flames' explosions come at her because you know she's way further down the hallway. The doctor turns to Donna, and he's like, your arms are too long. She smiles with her messed up teeth. So he grabbed the wrong Donna. The, the TARDIS appears behind Donna. The doctor hits the lever, uh, hits, hits the lever on her, and in the floor ben, beneath the no thing, Donna elevates up and she slides out, kind of like, like, like a slide. And then the real Donna runs inside. Doctor runs to her. The no thing, Donna screams as the flames reach her. The TARDIS takes off. Rest of the ship blows up. Whew. Then the doctor and Donna catch their breath. And later, he says, she almost completed you. That other Donna was a 99.9% copy, except I thought, what's wrong? Turns out, her wrist had an extra 0.06 millimeters. Obvious, really. And he's like, I keep thinking, I wish I hadn't done that thing with the salt. She's like, the bad luck thing? That was just a lie. He's like, normally, except I invoked a superstition at the end of the universe, where the walls are thin and all things are possible. I just get this feeling of something which is gone. You know, fine, good. Then he brings up the spaceship. Uh, the other Donna says that she could remember them as uh, Dr. Donna. So then the doctor's like, so she could see my life and my mind and my thoughts for the past 15 years, all the time we've been apart. You know, she could remember it. Can you? And she's like, no, it's, it's too much. It's like looking into a furnace. But, you know, she had a big brain the the no, no Donna, so she can make sense of it. And the doctor's like, yeah, maybe. And Donna's like, why? He's like, just wondering, you know. And Donna's like, what did she see? And he's like, oh, things. You know, she's like, like what? And he's like, he doesn't say anything. She's like, come on, where have you been since I last saw you? You know, what, what's happened? And he's like, you know, the usual robots, chases, waterfalls. She's like, but what really happened? He's like, a lot. And she's like, you okay? I will be. And she's like, when? A million years. The TARDIS dings. Uh, he says that they're back home. And she says that, she's like, oh, you timed that to get out of awkward conversations. She runs out the door. And he's like, oh, might might be a day or two out. And he just looks at the controls. She goes out. Wolf is there. Her grandpa's there in a wheelchair. And he, then he gasps when he sees a doctor. And he goes speechless. I never thought I'd see you again after all these years. Doctor tells him, you know, Donna got her, her memory back. And she adds, you know, um, without dying. <laughs> then Will says that, you know, he never lost faith. And, you know, he's like, he'll come back down and save us. And then there's like a siren in the background. There's like helicopter above. You know, people seem to be like casually shopping, whatever, behind him. And the doctor's like, save us from what? And, and Donna's like, where's the family? Where's Rose? Are, are they all right? And he's like, oh, yeah, they're fine. They're safe. I told him to bunker down, and I'll keep watch. I said, you know, you save yourselves. And the doctor's like, why? Is something wrong? Then there's like an explosion and like a store vendor cart behind them. People are start screaming. And then someone's like, that's your fault. And some employees run out of a restaurant. They start like swatting at each other like they're fighting. And then other people start like fighting each other. And Wolf's like, it's everybody. It's everything. 
they're all going mad. And he's like, listen, you've got to do something, doctor. The whole world is coming to an end. And then you see, like above, this passenger plane comes like swooping down, like super low overhead, crashes in the distance. And that's the end of the episode. So it's just like, uh, what the heck just happened? And um, how long have they been gone? So it looks like it's just going to continue again. Um, And the thing is, Donna hasn't had a chance to eat. So sorry, Donna. I don't think you're going to be eating anytime soon. So it was like, like, you know, it was a good episode. It was weird. But that I, I think it was kind of scary in a way that these no things were trying to copy them and how they would get freaky with the long arm and the teeth and that it was them. And the fact that they're like trying to copy them, it could like so easily just duplicate them. And, it you know, how could you tell besides uh, they slip up? So it was interesting. It was, it was scary. Not super scary like, you know, the, the weeping angels were the first time. So, so it was pretty good. I just didn't like the beginning part so much. All right, and now the movie feature is Silent Night. So this is a this is a movie directed by John Woo. It stars uh, Joel Kinnaman. Let's see, Rotten Tomatoes. So the, the weird thing about so I mentioned this actually I don't know if I mentioned this. This was supposed to come out last week. When I first looked. I, or when I first looked at Rotten Tomato, you know, this came out the same day as uh, Godzilla Minus One. My theater didn't get it. My theater still didn't get it. So I had to go to a different theater, which w- was fine. You know, there, there's a bunch of theaters, you know, different theaters in my area. There's a, a low Rotten Tomato score. I think it was at a 52. It looks like it's at a 60% now. So it went up a little bit um, based off of 93 reviews. But there was no audience score. Even like past a weekend... So I'm like, at first I was like, did it not open? You know, is, is there no audience score? Did it, did, is that why my theater didn't get it? Because it didn't open? But then I, I looked, and this one theater in a mall, uh, they're, they're showing it. They showed it over weekend. So I was like, no, it must, it did open. It didn't open at any of the other theaters. I was, I was like, what is going on? Right now, the audience score is 49%. So again, critic score, 80%. Audience score, 49%. That it's usually the opposite lately. It seems like the the audience seems to be more forgiving, less picky, or whatever. So I don't know. Now here's the other thing. So I went to a different theater. Different company owns it. Different butter, <laughs> which uh, I kind of like. It's it's got a different taste. It's it's not as natural tasting, but there's something weird about it. Is and uh, I do want to say this has nothing to do with the movie, but man. Uh, the dude, because I always ask for butter my popcorn, you know, you know, it's so horrible for you. And and my theater, when you ask for butter, they automatically do it in the middle and top. You know, that's like standard. It's awesome. That That's how it should be done. So when I go to this other theater, since I've been there a while, I was, I was like, can I get some butter on that? You know, butter and top in the middle. Because last thing I want is get dry popcorn in the middle. And the guy, he's doing it. And I just got a, I think it was like a medium. A medium is like kind of smallish. You know, it's not... I think it was a medium or maybe it was a regular because it wasn't the, yeah, it was like the third, it was like basically there's like small, then there's, it doesn't matter. But it wasn't a huge thing. Butter, popcorn, butter. He did it like three or four times. He's like, so you should be like every layer should get some butter. I'm like, that is amazing. So that, that that's that's great. <laughs> um, Getting to the theater, the, the, there was just a few people there, not very many because uh, I, I went on a Tuesday night, uh, last Tuesday. Finally, the preview start. Twenty minutes 
of previews. 20 minutes. What the heck? I went to a 4.30 showing on a Tuesday. The movie literally did not start until 4.50. I'm like, what the heck? Because you usually get five minutes of previews. Maybe maybe six, a little more. 20 minutes of previews. And I'm not talking like commercials, you know, or like the ads, you know, for other stuff. 20 minutes of previews. Oh my gosh. I did get to see some some previews I hadn't seen, surprisingly. Oh man. So <laughs> let's talk about the movie, because that's that's really what, what we care about, right? I, I really like Joel Kimmon. Uh he was he was in that show. Was it the called The Fall? I forget what it what it was. Really good. That's the first time I I knew recognized him. I paid attention to him. I'm sure, I, maybe I've seen him in other stuff. Uh, Rick Flag and Suicide Squad. He was good in that. Uh, he was good in, in the Suicide Squad. And I'm not going to. There's something I didn't like about about the, his appearance there, which I won't get into. And uh, he was in For All Mankind. I really like that show, even though I'm so far behind. I think I'm. I don't know if I ever finished season two because I think season three is out. Did I finish season one? I think no. I definitely finished season one. So he he's a good actor. Uh, he and and so he he stars in this. John Woo. John Woo's a he's a legend. You know he's he's amazing. I can't remember the last time John Woo's made a movie. Maybe I just haven't been paying attention. Maybe I didn't see it. So it's like okay, when I saw this trailer for this, I'm like this this looks cool. It looks super cheesy. Uh, basically, the premise is Joel Kinnaman is a father. This is going to go super fast. Uh, Joel Kinnaman is a father. A kid gets killed. And a stray bullet, bullet you know, a, a drive-by. Actually, it's not, not even a drive-by. Uh, it's like it's two cars literally driving side-by-side, side, shooting at each other. A little ridiculous. It's like, how can he? And people are getting shot occasionally. But it's like you're both, you're literally hanging out, shooting at each other, and you can't hit each other? I get with the movement and everything and and recoil, but it's it's like you guys are horrible shots, and 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 you know you always do shoot the tires or shoot the driver. Don't sh- actually don't shoot anyone. <laughs> Hugs, not guns, right? Um, so the kid gets killed, and then it's it's uh, about Joel Kim and going to get revenge against the whole gang structure. Right. Okay. Yeah. But you know, when you see the previews, like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And they they do kind of mix it up because it starts off. You see Joel Kinnaman running. He's he's got a Christmas sweater on, a big reindeer with like a big red ball, fluffy nose, blood splattered, hands of blood on the hands. And what I really like as he's running, because then it kind of slows down a little bit, and he's running, and I I'm totally doing it. You know, you can't see me. Hands kind of like moving up and down as as you know he's as he's running. And when some of like the credits going on the screen, there's like a hand kind of passes over the credits. So I, I thought it was little little tiny detail, whatever simple thing. Probably I, I thought that was kind of cool. So he's like running. What's going on? And at first I said, I was like, there's no way I missed the beginning because I sat here for 20 minutes of previews. He does some stuff, blah blah blah, whatever. He finally. Um, is able to stop him. He's running. He's in these two cars are still driving. So somehow he's like knowing cutting corners or whatever. They're, I don't know what, how he catches up to him. They're on, on feet uh, or he's on foot. <laughs> they're in cars. And anyways, so he ends up kind of stopping him or whatever. And then, um, he gets hit or he does something. He gets, does he get shot? He's on the ground then. And then this dude comes out bald, 
tattoos, like like lightning bolt lines pattern on his head. He points a gun at Joel Kinnaman. Maybe he sh- shoots him, shoots him in like the gut or side, and it shoots him in, in like throat. And that's it. He's dead. Well, he's not dead. He gets taken to hospital. And that's all. This is why it's called Silent Night. This is not, I'm not spoiling too much. It's in the preview, just not to this extent. But then because he's shot in the throat, he can't talk. Hence, Silent Night. One of the interesting things about this movie no one talks pretty much in this movie. There's like no dialogue. There's some dialogue like on the news talking about some stuff, but there's there's really none of the characters don't really talk because afterwards I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Like when he's home, he's actually I may I should get to that. So no one's talking, and I'll give you some examples in a bit. He um, as he's in a coma, you know his his wife is there, and because at first you know we don't we don't see the kid getting you know that whole stuff. We get a flashback of that later, so it's kind of interesting the way that they they do this, even though you know it happens. So a, a doctor detective detective of like gang task force comes in, leaves a card because he wants a you know a wife sleeping on a chair. Uh, Joel Kinman's in a, in a coma. He wants to question him. Obviously, he just leaves a card there and he, he leaves. Joel Kinman finally comes home uh, and everything. You know, I don't know how much time has passed, and he's just he, devastated. I cannot imagine the idea of losing a ch- my my daughter. You know how anyone? It's horrific. It's got to be the worst thing. And and as a parent, if you are, have a, a parent or anything that you anyone you care about, that is your biggest fear. There's been so many times where it's like, okay, you know, and and not that I'm overly protective or paranoid or anything like that, but it's like, okay, my daughter's supposed to be home. Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? And you know, you never know. Did she get in a car accident? Did something happen? Because did someone else you know hit them? And what what's going on? And and you know, you just don't know. There's this other part where we're like at this like uh, by the ocean on this not really a cliff or whatever like that. Um, I don't know if I, if I should talk about this story. This is, this was like the worst. Um, but we were like on this, this side and you know, it, it was, there's actually like kind of grass or plant, whatever. And then all of a sudden daughter's gone. And it was like, where did she go? Calling out her name, yelling out her name, screaming out her name. It was like, where? And then I'm, I'm worst thought. And, and I'm so far off the movie. It's like, did she fall off the, I was like, no way. And then I'm getting close to the edge. I was like, I don't want to, one, I don't want to fall off the edge. But it's like, my 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 brain is like, what if she's down there? I mean, this is just horrific. And I was just like, no, I know, no. And still screaming, daughter had gone up top. You know, she just got tired of whatever. And so just that feeling, it's just like, you're just like frozen and just like such fear and such... You know, there's absolutely nothing you can do. And it's just, it's, I I can't even describe the words. Back to the movie. So Joe Kim is, he's just kind of broken. You know, he lost, and we see flashbacks, you know, I guess the son was, I think he was like seven. He looked younger than seven. But, you know, there's, there's scenes that I'm playing and this and that and doing everything. You know, he loved his kid. You know, he's a father. You, of course, you love your kid and everything like that. He lost, he's just devastated and everything like that. What pisses me off is that he's so completely shut down. And I know sometimes, you know, they, they say that, you know, when, when a couple loses a kid, sometimes that like destroys a marriage because you have just so much pain and everything that it's just, you're, you're a reminder to each other, you know, unless there's other kids or whatever, but it's just so hard. And maybe that's not always the case, you know, but um, what pisses me off 
is his wife lost her son too. And he's not even like trying to comfort him or trying to comfort her. It's like, okay, yeah, sorry. You know, you went after for whatever reason, you know, you're, they, they showed a scene where his kids, you know, he's holding him in his arm and everything. And then he decides to go running. It's like, okay, I, I get it. You know, you're probably just adrenaline and anger. Like what, what is going on? But the fact that his wife He's not like trying to comfort her or anything. So there's times where he's like out like in a, in the garage and works whatever space. He's just like sitting there and you know he's like drinking, and you know there's like one time she's like looking around. She's got to go to work. She doesn't know where keys are. She kind of she's hesitant to go in there. So she like texts him. So that's like the communication. That's what I was saying when there's like no talking. You know sometimes just texting. And even like between the gang dudes, like this one dude's like we got who is this guy? You know he's like someone kill him. So it's like texting stuff. Um, I, I don't know if anyone ever really talked. There must have been, but I you know, wasn't really looking and paying attention that closely. So that's basically what's going on. Is He's so caught up on this. Um, he does eventually go to the, the, the police station to talk to this detective or whatever. And then while he's waiting and waiting you know, in, in the, the dude's office, he sees like some a bunch of like wanted posters for the, the gang members because he's like anti-gang task force, whatever dude. That's his job. And then he he recognizes the the ball dude with the tattoo on the head, so then he starts taking pictures, and so like this must be his his gang criminal empire or whatever. So the whole premise of the movie, he's gonna he's we don't know what Joe Kinnaman did, what his job was. He, apparently, I don't think he had a job or he lost his job or he quit, but he's gonna sp- just start training. He's gonna learn how to take them down. He, you know, he, YouTube videos, good dummies. How do you fight? How do you use a knife? Go to the gun range, driving. You, know, you see this in a, in a trailer, right? you know, skidding and spinning around and doing all So he's just tra- starting to, to train himself. Literally like a year of training. So yeah, I don't think he worked for this entire time. Wife leaves him, spoiler. But the thing is, it's like, you're such a jerk. You know, you, you, I, he cares for his wife, but he's just, he's just so, not necessarily, I mean, and that's, he's not necessarily broken. He's just so determined. And it's just, and that that's where it goes. So there's some parts. It's a little slow in the beginning, but as it should be. I mean, if we're talking a year, then yeah, there's going to be some training. And it's not like all of a sudden, like, boom, okay, I'm ready. You know, I'm I'm whoever. I'm the Terminator. I'm John McClane. I'm, I'm anyone. Sebastian Stone. I'm, I'm Rocky Bubble. I'm anyone who's ever come back from some, you know, the underdog or something. And and the thing is, when when things when he starts interacting with stuff, once the action is really starts kicking in, and then that, he he's not he's not unstoppable. He's not like perfect. So he does get hit. He gets beat up. He gets shot. He gets stabbed or cut or whatever. He he takes some damage, and and that that is an important thing because if he came off like un you know not scratch or anything like that, that would be kind of ridiculous because you know he's not this unstoppable, you know, whatever thing. He's just a regular dude. So I, I thought that was, you know, kind of kind of good with that. And then it, it just basically, that's the rest of the movie. You know, he's trying to get there. Will he get everyone? Or is he going to make it? And uh, it may not necessarily be a Hollywood ending. Let's just say that. So what did I think of it? I'm glad you asked. It was all right. It, it, it was fine. You know, there, there's some good action scenes. There's some cool moments. There's a, some parts that kind of like kind of make me roll my eyes. Like, like you could just take this person out right here, 
but you know they they have to stall or whatever do something and then like the, with the driving and the shooting you know there's there's some moments that was just like a bit much then there's a whole family thing so there's just a little little minor things that that bothered me but overall it, it was a i mean it was a decent movie I wanted to like it more because I, I, I really liked the trailer. I, I, I got ex- a little excited, you know, even though it's just a revenge movie. You know, we've seen it a million times. But, yeah, just some little things. And I, I don't know. And it's like you're going to take on this empire or what? It's not even an empire. You're going to take them on by yourself. And, you know, you just trained your, yourself to do this. And you're, you know, I, I mean, it's not who do you call? Even if you have a best friend, it's like, hey, do you want to help me kill these dudes? You know, your restaurant's like, uh, no, I got to go to the parent-teacher conference tonight. Like, sorry. And uh, so it's just, it it was a bit much. There is one part, you know, he's going in this building, and he's going up the stairs. Not quite like the raid, but, you know, kind of similar to that. You know, different levels, guys popping out and that. But then when he gets to landing... And I'm thinking, it's like, how does he even know the layout of this building? He can maybe can kind of figure out, you know, because he he was doing surveillance and he got like crazy powerful lenses and and stuff like that. But it's like, I don't think you really know the entire layout. So you you get up here. How do you know to go left or right? And how do you know? You don't even know how many people are in here. You, You know, like 50 people can pop out at once. And even though you got some guns and different stuff and body armor, it's like there there's a... But yeah, so it, it, it was fine. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, like I said, 60%. Um, let's see. Silent Night reaffirms that an action movie doesn't need much dialogue if the set pieces are solid enough. And even and that even second-tier John Woo can be worth the price of admission. Okay. Who said that? That was, that was just consensus. IndieWire... Gave the movie a D. The kindest thing I can say about John Woo's latest film is that the worst moments don't resemble the cinema of John Woo at, at all. What? Um, Wall Street Journal criticized the decision to have no dialogue in the film, stating that the result is surprisingly dull. But I, I look at this as like, man, Joe Kinnaman, you did not have to memorize a single <laughs> line of dialogue. It's like, I'm going to be an actor? Give me a movie like that where I don't have to memorize my lines. Variety said, silly as it might be, Silent Night gives audience reason to get excited about the Hong Kong innovator once again, ranking as one of the few bloody Christmas counter-programmers since Die Hard that feels worthy of repeat viewing down the road. Um... I would say Violent Night that came out a year ago, that's worth watching. David Harbour, that, that was good. That was like over the top and wacky. Hollywood Reporter, it's to Woo's and screenwriter, screenwriter Robert Lynn's credit, as well as a fiercely commanding, intensely physical performance by Kinnaman, that the film's lack of dialogue proves not a gimmick, but an asset. Norma Desmond would surely have approved. Um, New York Times praised the film for its well-crafted, brutal action scenes, stating that there's a lot of sound and fury, and it works. It's uh, suspenseful, cathartic, and even all the schmaltzy stuff is so distinctly John Woo that is welcome. Blah, 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 etc., etc., etc. So, there you go. I mean, it's, like I said, it's it's not horrible, but, I don't know, maybe my expectations are high. It was fine. It was okay. I, I, just, I just wish it was better, and, and I'm kind of bummed that I didn't like it more, but it, it, it was, it was fine. So 
you know, yeah, it's it's kind of worth watching, I would say, um, if you're into action revenge movies. And uh, I think that's going to be it then. So that is, uh, that's, yeah, that's, so Silent Night, it's, it's decent. It's Joel Kinnaman. Uh, horrible. I can't, can't imagine going through that. I, I don't want to even think about it anymore. So that, that's, that, that's the other main thing that, that sucks about this is like the idea of losing a kid. No, I don't even want to think about that. But um, that is going to be it. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to where? Patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Doing X-Men to Hidden Years, John Byrne. I, I'm probably going to keep up for a little bit. Uh, we, we got this group that's been around for decades. What? What? How? Who? What's going on? I'm so, when does Lorna get her code name? Because she doesn't have a code name here. Um, maybe it's, she's never going to get it in this series because she must get it later. So there, there's cool things going on here. But I won't be doing X-Men Hidden Years forever, as I keep saying. I'm open to suggestions. If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is uh, next week? Next week's uh, movie feature is uh, Wonka, I'm pretty sure. And uh, yeah, I got to catch up on I'm I'm still, I, I yeah, I'm catching up. I'm so, I don't know what's going on. I'm just barely staying afloat. So more, uh, another Doctor Who special, more Monarch, Monarch, more Scott Pilgrim. But yeah, so all, all that, that fun stuff. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. If you have any ideas, thoughts, or feedback, anything about anything, just let me know. So make sure you take care of yourself and be sure to be good to each other. 